You're listening to The Gamer Podcast. I'm Eric Schweitzer from the Gamer.com editing team, and today we're talking about all the news from Gamescom Opening Night Live, 12 Minutes, Psychonauts 2, Ghost of Tsushima Director's Cut, Aliens Fireteam Elite, and the Destiny Witch Queen reveal. Let's go. Welcome to the show. This week we have Gamescom, the E3 of the East. Nobody calls it that. And we're going to run through everything that was revealed during uh, Jeff Keighley's opening night live. I'm here with an esteemed panel of gaming geniuses. Uh, Keen Mar, hello, Keen. How's it going? Uh, Big Baby Brains, a.k.a. Dave Aubrey. Hello there, team. All right, he's going to do that voice today. <laughs> James Tran's here. Uh, not a gaming expert. He's not an expert. And George Foster. Hello, George. Hello, hello. Okay, uh, we have a lot of ground to cover for opening Night Live. We're going to go in order uh, through the entire list. We'll probably blast through some of the smaller stuff, and we'll pause for the big titles. But at any point, if you got something to say, just jump in. All right, sound good? Let's do it. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's probably worth prefacing this by saying that the lack of Dragon Age 4 means the entire team was 0 out of 10. <laughs> yeah, we're going to go ahead and pre-score Gamescon 0 out of 10, no Dragon Age 4. Yeah, um, I'll, but I'll, at I'll least stand we, by that. At least we learned a bit about what a 4-year-old dragon is. Yeah, thanks to me. I did I did some you know investigative journalism to find out how long it takes dragons to grow, which is surprisingly hard to actually figure out because, you know... There's a lot of people on the internet who mostly because they're not dragons real. don't exist. Well, <laughs> right. I'm not so sure about that. Like you know, I've definitely seen evidence to the contrary. So, anyway. Yeah. So anyway, we'll get into that later. Uh, the show started with uh, the reveal of a new Saints Row. Is this a remake? What is this? Reboot. Yeah, full reboot. Reboot. Okay. Somebody yeah. want to describe? the trailer or it's a very very cgi heavy very cgi heavy trailer but i think the big takeaway is that as far as the reboot goes the only thing connecting it to the original is the new name and the boss um i mean obviously there's no johnny gat anymore there's no sean dps kinsey uh you don't have the big russian beefcake anymore all of that's gone and it looks like it's i think kirk said it's in a new more southern city in america um it just looks like a completely new Saints Row, which I think is what's needed when the last game literally had got taking on Satan. So where can you really go from that? Uh, this is what I know about Saints Row. Uh, it's Grand Theft Auto, but, but with dildo swords. That's yeah. yeah, that's accurate. <laughs> I mean, okay. it started out as like a San Andreas clone back in the day. Um, and then Saints Row 3 came out and it was all about the Matrix and shit. Okay, so just like super over the top, open yeah. world. But it's heartfelt as well. Like it's quite. That's the thing I think people get wrong about Saints Row. They assume it's all about the dildos, but it's not. You know, there's more to it than that. Like the boss. It depends on what game as well. But there's because you have a custom character, you get quite attached, and the cast of characters like Gat, Sean D. Pierce, mm. you do really like really get to like know them and love them. So people aren't super jazzed about this as far as i can tell like the trailer's getting pretty uh pretty ratioed but 
I think it's necessary. I think they need to change it. I'm happy to see this. Like apparently completely. the Reddit. Apparently the Reddit's a Did you just say there's a character called Sean the Piss? Sean D and Piss. <laughs> 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 oh, I thought you said Sean the Piss. I don't, I, I don't give a rat's about Saints Row, so I know nothing about it. That, that would I be pretty in tone with Saints Row, to be fair. It's like Dragon Age with guns. <laughs> <laughs> That's how you get him. Uh, uh, so you're saying because it doesn't have those characters and because it's a reboot, people, are, some fans of the row, are we calling it the row? No. Some we fans can. of the row aren't super psyched about this new one. Is that what you're telling me? Well, it's a combination of that and also like the tone. So this is what confuses me. People are like people are so uh-huh. wildly uh, like I can't think of the word. They're so they're so split. That's the word. <laughs> they're so split on what they want Saints Row to be, and they've been begging for it to return to sort of like a sense of normalcy. And now it's doing that, but it's still got the humor, and people aren't happy. Like they're like these aren't gangsters. These are these are preteens like see. starting up, and they're just like incredibly angry about it, as they tend to be. <laughs> there's people angry that it's there's people angry it's woke as well because uh, there always are, isn't there? Yes, that's true. <laughs> Gamers, man. <laughs> All right, uh, that's coming out soon, February 2022. Uh, so I'm sure we'll see a lot more about it soon, and I believe we have a preview on the site. Yes, Kirk yes. got to play it. So we'll have that link in the description. Next was uh, Marvel's Midnight Suns, a reveal of a new Firaxis game that you're all super sick of hearing about <laughs> because I got to see it on Monday and I've been losing my mind about it all week. Um, I know that some people see new Marvel game and they probably uh, groan, but this is a, a very different Marvel game than the ones we've been seeing lately it's a 90s uh dark core very grim dark uh fighting demons and stuff and all the marvel heroes that you know like uh captain american and iron man have gotten edgy makeovers essentially (laughs) um there's gonna be a lot of characters that we haven't seen in games lately like ghost riders in there blades in there it's got an original character, the first time you've ever had a customizable Marvel um, original character. Uh, so that's cool. It's an adaptation of a 90s event comic book called uh, Rise of the Midnight Suns, and it's all about fighting against Lilith, the mother of demons. It's a tactical RPG like XCOM, but it's got the sort of Fire Emblem dating sim stuff in there too. So what would you all think of that one? That looks dope. Like it is. That was just like a CG thing, but by by concept alone, yeah. I am like I'm so into it. Especially from hearing what you've thought about it. Uh, I'm a little disappointed. Th- this is nitpicking, but they've confirmed. I think today that there's no romance. That they're just very, very, very good friends. So that's kind of a shame. <laughs> but you know, but that's minor in the grand scheme of things. I just I'm I'm super into this. Who did you Wolverine's want to romance? In it, isn't he? Wolverine is in it, yeah. Yeah, I, I would very much. Yeah, I, I, I used to think that. No, I used to think that I had adamantium bones. So you know, why did you Wolverine, think that? Ah, uh, you know, just sort of. I think it was just wishful thinking as a kid. You know, I thought, <laughs> yeah. if, if I thought about it hard enough, that it would materialize. But how did you, you know, realize you didn't though? <laughs> well. I still haven't confirmed that I don't, you know, I'm only 25. Like, you know, maybe they come in at 30 or something. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. There's still hope. 
but yeah, I mean, like, you know, Wolverine being there and especially Blade being there, I am shocked because I wouldn't really give a shit about Marvel usually. But mm-hmm. Blade and Wolverine, if there are any two Marvel characters to get me to play a game, it's probably those two. So, yeah, there's going to be 12 uh, playable heroes and they have not shown the whole roster yet, but they've got some really interesting picks. They've got uh, Nico from Runaways, uh, Magic uh, from the X-Men. And um, Ghost Rider is Robbie Reyes, the new Ghost Rider. That's cool. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I'm excited to see who else they have. Uh, obviously, Morbius. Well, not obviously, but if you know this story, Morbius is a is a big character in it. And with the movie coming out, maybe we'll get uh, we'll get our vampire boy in this game too. Spider Man. Spider Man. Spider Man. I think they would have shown Spider Man if they had Spider Man. Don't you think? Oh. I just don't want another Avengers where they're promising him. <laughs> yeah, it's it seems like Sony's got Spider Man on lock, so <laughs> that's true. Maybe not. It uh, really reminds okay. me of um, Lego DC supervillains. How in that you played as a custom DC villain. Oh yeah, that's a good point. It's the most obscure reference, but yeah. it's kind of like the Justice League Dark of Marvel, which didn't really catch on that much. But that's kind of what the Midnight Suns are. Okay, uh, after that, we had a very long trailer for an Activision game that felt like it lasted my entire life. <laughs> after that, we had uh, more Halo Infinite, including the release date, which is officially December 8th. Woo! No cheer, no three cheers for Halos? That, that was one cheer, that <laughs> I will say, the, the fact that Joseph Staten was the one, you know, on stage with Keely gives me faith, because... You know, mm. Staten is a huge part of what makes Halo Halo. I mean, well, a few weeks ago we came on the podcast and I talked shit about Halo for like 40 minutes because I was like, oh, the technical preview was okay. Yeah. But I don't know. I mean, the lack of co-op at launch is a bit shit, but especially because if you're playing on Legendary, like, you know, there's something extremely special about playing like three or four player Halo campaign on Legendary. But yeah, I, I don't know. I mean... I'm excited to give it a go for myself, but I don't want to say... I don't want to hold up too much hope, because I would not be surprised whatsoever if it's just more fucking Halo 4 and 5 shit. Do you think they can, like... Do you think a late edition of co-op will, like, capture the same magic, like, later down the line? Do you think they can catch that fire again? Or is it, like, it's not in at launch, so it's screwed, sort of thing? I don't know, because, like, Infinite's a weird one anyway, isn't it? Because it's games as a service, so the story is going to obviously sort of develop as it goes on. Mm. Um... I would think that it. they haven't said anything about whether or not you can actually replay some of the single-player content, you know? So, I don't know. It's a very weird one. It's it's very difficult to anticipate whether or not it's going to be good and whether it's going to stick to Landon. I want to like it, I re- like, and I'm excited for the next preview because I think big team battlers in that will actually probably get to use vehicles. There were none of them in the last one, which is very strange. Mm. But, I know that Halo co-op is very special to people because... They grew up playing couch co-op Halo, playing through the campaign with their friends. And then the last Halo didn't have it at all, right? Five Was it five that didn't have any uh, campaign co-op? Yeah, but I, I mean, who cares about five game? except for George? George is the only person on Halo 5. I like Halo 5's multiplayer, and I know that's wrong, but I do. Like, the single player is, is awful. I always thought that the co-op campaigns were pretty awkward like there's 
there is not two Master Chiefs. It doesn't really make any sense. And like, I, I get that people like the couch co-op aspect of it and playing it growing up, but I don't think that campaign co-op is like an essential part of Halo anymore. Nor sh- nor should it be. Now, if they're going to have like uh, horde modes or um, co-op, an actual like co-op campaign, like a kind of like some kind of a Left 4 Dead thing or something, that I'm interested in. But just like playing through the story co-op i i don't think that's like a very important part of halo i think my memories of it are forever tarnished by the fact i played through halo 3 co-op for two hours with a friend and i didn't know my controller wasn't plugged in (laughs) (laughs) completely tricked jesus (laughs) two hours (laughs) yeah (laughs) because at one point i was moving the analog stick a different way and i thought wait now it's not doing what i thought it was and uh, i took way too long (laughs) Genius. <laughs> Genuinely speechless like that one, James. <laughs> well, I, I was like 12. It's fun. Uh, the best part of the Halo presentation was that uh, Xbox and the controller that they showed. Oh, yeah. Already oh, yeah. scalping. Maron, what a view. <laughs> That's one of the coolest looking consoles I've seen in, in a long time. That thing looked amazing. Did you get one? No. I don't no. think you would. I mean, they were selling them on the internet, so you know, only scalpers get things that can sell on the internet. <laughs> so yeah, like expensive. Well. Yeah. I managed to get the controller, yeah. and I'm like very excited for that, but even then I'm seeing like it's like nearly £200, and I'm like, do I, will I yeah. play Halo enough? Will I use this enough? It's like, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. Don't ever start collecting controllers, because at that point you will justify literally anything. <laughs> It's a bad, it's a bad habit, but, uh, that thing looks great. Um, after that, we had a reveal of a new game called cult of the lamb. Did anyone have feelings about that one? You know, every time I see an indie game these days, I'm like, that looks nice. Hope it's mm-hmm. on game pass. Mm-hmm. That's, <laughs> that's yeah, 100%. That is the end of my thought process. 100%. That's it. Yeah, it's I weird. thought Culted Lamb, it, it looks interesting, but also I don't think it necessarily seems to do anything new. Um, initially, when I saw it, I thought Binding of Isaac, even though it's not really that kind of game, just because of the aesthetic, even the music. And then obviously it's more sort of uh, o- open world than that. But mm. I don't know, I, I was looking at it and I was like, this looks really fun and interesting and whatever, but also... You know, I, I think I've played this game before. Mm. Uh, what's your favorite uh, game where you're a sheep that's also a cult leader? Yeah, I mean, like maybe the concept of <laughs> gotcha. who you are Got is original. But <laughs> Stunlocked. Does that make a lasting impression? I think that 10 seconds in, the fact that you're a cult leader sheep is probably not a USP anymore. Yeah. No, I'm with you. I the the aesthetic is cute. The concept is good. We'll have. I mean, you know, it all comes down to that gameplay, baby. We'll see. There, there's a lot of sheep uh, puking and demons and stuff. Like, I think it's got a good flavor. I like the flavor. There's a giraffe crying. I'm watching. <laughs> I'm watching the trailer again right now. Okay. <laughs> all right. Uh, the next game we saw was Midnight Fight Express. Uh, I believe this was a reveal. I don't think we've seen this one before. No, we, we've seen, this one. Uh, this been, one looks kind of cool. This one's been revealed like really. Show yeah. at Gamescom before, but 
Okay. In in much less detail. Yeah. Uh, solo dev. Yeah. 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 I could leave the name behind. I'm gonna be honest. <laughs> sure. Yeah. <laughs> the game itself looks pretty good, though. Yeah, it looks really. A cool. top-down comedy brawler. Comedy. Yeah, All I right. guess I got that. Yeah. And the bar fight bit felt very world's end. Yeah, that's mm. true. I, I just remember the bit at the end where they do like a weird no Russian cameo from Modern Warfare. I was like, what is this? <laughs> Oof. It's funny. I, I I think everything, anytime I see uh, like fluid combat animations now, I'm going to think of Sifu. Sifu has just like Ooh. set a bar for for like martial art video games now for me, even though the game's not even out yet. Yes. Yeah, Sifu, Sifu genuinely looks like magic. Mm. Uh, yeah. Every time, when, when I initially saw it, I was like, this looks cool enough, and any time I've seen it since, I've just been blown away. Uh, after that, we got a new trailer for Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Shredder's Revenge that confirmed uh, April is a playable character. I got my pizza. I got my manhole. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? You want to know what? I was multitasking. I was like busy with something. And when he said, I got my pizza, I got my manhole, I looked over at this screen, fully expecting Jeff Keighley to be standing there with a slice of pizza and a manhole cover. <laughs> and I was I was pretty, honestly, pretty disappointed when he was just standing there in his suit with a microphone. I was like, what the hell are you talking about, Good date night. <laughs> <laughs> No, I just want to see him dressed up as a turtle. That's what we need. That would have been cool. Um, Ninja Turtles is oh, sick. I forgot we were talking about a game. Sorry, hold on. I've got opinion. <laughs> when I was a kid, yes. I had loads of nostalgia for uh, Ninja Turtles video games. Um, but I was playing Battletoads the other day after playing Scott Pilgrim vs. The World the Game and Streets of Rage 4. And I said to a friend, there's a lot of these games, huh? <laughs> Not many of them are actually that good. Whoa! And, and uh, I'm looking at Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and I'm like, I hope it's on Game Pass. What? <laughs> uh, no, okay, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna counter that. Right. So to yeah. me, from that footage, it looks like Scott Pilgrim versus the World, but Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and that is the best thing ever. That is like the combination of two incredible powers. But with pizza as well. Like th this is this is. I honestly amazing. think of all the games I listed, Scott Pilgrim's the worst one. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> My feelings. Like, I'm I'm just gonna come in and say that. I'm just gonna come in and say that. Not only do I not give a shit about the Ninja Turtles, <laughs> when people were excited for Shredder's Revenge, I didn't get it at all. I was like, this game looks like a very mediocre game that came out in 1989. Oh my god! I, like, I, I, I don't understand. Yeah, that's the point. Yeah, that's the <laughs> point. It looks so good. I don't understand the appeal at all. It looks so incredibly boring. <sighs> if you love the turtles, I think that's. I think that's what it takes. If you, I mean, those games are insufferable when you're playing solo. I'll, I'll agree with that. Yeah, I'll agree with that. You can't def you can't defend these games and then say, oh yeah, if you're alone, they're fucking the worst <laughs> thing ever. You can't. <laughs> like, no, well, it's. I remember playing Scott Pilgrim when that came out, like when it recently re-released, and it was like getting through that on your own was sort of like pulling teeth, but it was still good, but it was just difficult. And I'm hoping they kind of glowing <laughs> pulling teeth, pulling teeth, such a fun thing to do. <laughs> okay, I'm, I'm I'm not making myself too clear, but it looks great. You're all wrong. Shredder's Revenge game of the year. I'm predicting. <laughs> I I uh, I'm looking at a rundown from a site that's not thegamer.com, and I'm not going to uh, put them on blast. But I do have to read their little short description here for uh, what we saw. 
from Shredder's Revenge. It says, April's another playable character for Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Shredder's Revenge. She joins Leo, Raph, Donnie, and Mickey and seems to kick <laughs> some serious ass along with the ability to revive the turtles with pizza. So there you go. Leo, Raph, Donnie, and Mickey are beloved <laughs> turtle boys. <laughs> Even I know nobody's ever, ever called them that before. <laughs> yeah, it's Mikey. It's Mike. I would have thought I would have thought you'd be a massive Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles fan. I'm not. Gonna yeah, Keen, yeah, I'm actually a little surprised. That seems right up your alley. It's so it's what? basically Dragon Age, but with <laughs> with turtles. Turtle Age. I don't give a shit about Turtle Age. I mean, come on, I want Dragon Age Four. But no, like I don't know. I watched it when I was a kid, like very young. But I don't have any nostalgia for it really. Oh, mm-hmm. it's one of my favorite things. All right. Like franchises. Uh, well, franchise sounds a bit weird. I do. Series ever. I love everything TMNT. It's a franchise. Yeah. I'm I happy for the, other people um... to enjoy it. I just like, you know, I can't in good conscience have a conversation about it without saying, do you know what? I actually think it's a bit shit. <laughs> but I'm still glad that other people like it. Yep. Well, hopefully it's on Game Pass. Next, <laughs> we had uh, Demon Slayer, the Hinakami Chronicles. Uh, Brains, go ahead. <laughs> Sorry, what game? What? <laughs> De- oh, Demon Slayer, right, right. Yeah, that looks that looks like a, a nice arena fighter game. Um, <laughs> like the show, it has very nice animations on the attacks. I like those a lot. Um, hope it's good to play because arena fighters tend not to be honest. Tend not to be. They tend, tend not, not to be. be. Dave, nice Dave, do you hope it's on Game Pass? Hello, sorry. If it's on Game Pass, that'd be great. Hell yeah. <laughs> I, I cannot keep disagreeing with you so much, but Demon Slayer. Because <laughs> I know I know you're not a huge Demon Slayer fan anyway. I'm not like a huge fan, but I, I no, like it quite I a like, lot. I like it. I like it. But they I like it. CC two did Naruto Storm and they were very good. Like I know if I think of like uh my hero, those arena fighters, yeah, they're kinda they're kinda crap. But Naruto Storm, oh, you don't like Naruto either. Damn! Okay, well Naruto's very good. So I have hope. So so with 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 ninja with a uh, ninja storm once again I think the attacks are very flashy and they look very nice, but then actually playing it feels a bit like pulling teeth, <laughs> which is George's favorite. Activity, of course. <laughs> I, I, I I don't know. I don't I don't hate it. I don't hate the concept, but like I see it and I know for a fact that after playing a couple of games with a friend, neither of us will ever want to play it again. What what genre would you rather it be? Oh my god! Um, just <laughs> give all anime franchises to Arc System Works. Let them. They did yeah. Dragon Ball and Grand Blue and Guilty Gear, and everyone says Guilty Gear Strive is one of the best fighting games of all time for a good reason. So just give it. Give them all to them. Let them make all the decisions. I don't care. No, I I think that uh, Hunter Hunter should be given to Koei Tecmo and Omega Force to make a Musou game. Wow, that's okay. I mean, yeah, sure. <laughs> the Nen attacks would be really cool and flashy. We love flashy attacks, right? I think that's but the only like genre where you can actually incorporate Nen. Yeah. So. We've been uh, out over here. All I right. also don't really care about fighting games, so. We'll, we'll find out what Keen. Stay tuned, folks. We'll find out what Keen actually cares about. <laughs> Dragon Age. Uh, Keen, did next... you know there's a One Piece Muso? It's real, it's real good, man. I swear. How long is it? I the, the, like it could be like fifty to forty hours. I don't know. It's it's it's, it's there's a lot. 
Uh, maybe I'll give it a go. It's real good, man. I'd <laughs> well, sooner play that than Shredder's Revenge, anyway. Oh, hey, I'm cutting all of this out. <laughs> <laughs> Super Monkey Ball Banana Mania. Oh, uh, here we go. A bit of a a bit of controversy because they uh, revealed that Morgana from Persona is going to be a DLC post-launch character. You'll have to pay real money to play. Uh, and I guess some of you weebs are upset about that, yeah? Eh. Uh, I am most upset about the fact that it said the background music wasn't actually in the game. It was just in the trailer. Oh, yeah. That's I, I actually like screamed like, Yo, there's Monkey Ball Persona music! And then it turns out there is not Monkey Ball Persona music. <laughs> I think the yeah. worst thing about it is that Morgana is the worst character in Persona 5. Oh my god, here we go. <laughs> Morgana is absolutely the worst character in Persona 5. The best character is, is yeah. Yusuke. They should have let Yusuke play Super <laughs> Monkey Ball. I mean, I love Morgana. So, again, I think I'm just wrong. I mean, maybe they will. I want yeah. Joker in that. We're, we're going to have Sonic and Tails and some other... There were some other third-party characters, yeah? It's Kiyu Kazuma. What? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Kiyu's in it. Kiyu's in Monkey Ball. Oh, they will, that redeems everything. Yeah, exactly, right? Actually, now I'll probably play it. <laughs> see? And it's a, it, man, Monkey Ball's a banger, so it's, it's see, all good. See, here's something I do care about. We found it. Yeah. <laughs> all right, Monkey Ball's a great game. This one's coming out. Actually, I don't know. Do they even have a release date yet? October, something or other. Yeah, I don't know. It is soon, but it is... Uh, that's going to be good. Uh, Splitgate Season 0. Everybody's talking about Splitgate. Everybody's very hyped on the Portal shooter game i haven't played it it's, it's cool. skyrocketed but yeah it's very good it's what tried it. it's skyrocketed it's cool. it's cool. but i've never all right we uh we don't know splitgate but we'll circle back on that in a future no no, episode. no hold up I, I can talk about splitgate tell us <clears throat> splitgate's a cool game um no idea what the <laughs> hell is wrong with how it looks right now if you're on the fucking menu screen on ps5 it looks like it's running at 720p it's so blurry i'm like is this the switch version what the hell's going on it's Did you forget to put your glasses on again though i've i've forgotten all day to be honest <laughs> however that is not the problem in this situation uh yeah the game itself really quite nice overall they've uh, optimized it quite well you can only like look through your own portal so the world is only doubled once and it is doubled at like a lower resolution so there have been like sacrifices made however i really like the idea of like standing behind a portal and sniping someone in the distance and they have absolutely no idea where you are uh yeah there's a lot of cool stuff to like about split gate the the portal mechanics are really fun um abs absolutely no idea how this kind of game is going to work in a competitive environment but i think there's a lot of a lot of promise there i think it's a bit weird that they've gone ahead with all these like seasonal annou announcements after also saying they're extending the open beta because personally i kind of like games to be the final thing but uh whatever right, as long as it's nice and, not, as long as it's <laughs> nice and polished yeah i know right i don't like playing early access games sue me it's a free one right yeah it's free you should yeah, play it's it. a free one Oh, it's right. I'll check it out. Uh, next, we got a, a extended look at Riders Republic. They also extended the beta until August twenty eighth. George, you've been playing this, yes, yeah? yes. It's you like? Uh, I I don't love yet. It, it's sort of, it's the sort of thing I'd pop on and just I guess like 
do do all the like side stuff and do all the like little races, but never really care that much about it. Like it doesn't. It wow, doesn't. It sucks, huh? Wow. <laughs> it's like, Worst it's like game you ever played. <laughs> yeah, it's like pulling teeth. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it, it's a distractor, you know. Like it's the sort of thing you pop on. You're like, ah, oh, you know, I've got I've got a couple of hours to just sit on this and do that. Um, I don't think it's trying to be anything more than that. I don't think it's trying to be the next Tony Hawk or anything. But yeah, it's okay. It's it's pretty fun. Check out the beta until the t- oh shoot that's when the show co- oh no that's Saturday hey you'll have one day from when you're listening to this uh, next was Century Age of Ashes has a release date uh, November eighteenth I played this uh, I played this a lot actually uh, there was some alpha earlier this year um, that I got into I wrote a preview for it and it's a lot of fun uh, it's a arena fighter but everybody rides on dragons. And there's several different classes. Those classes of dragons have different abilities and different stats, and there's different kinds of game modes. There's one where everybody chases a big dragon and, and fights over who can kill it, and then you've got your regular like team deathmatch, and then your free for all. Uh, it's neat. I don't know. I don't. I don't suspect it has like esports potential or anything like that. But I, I had a ton of fun. The learning curve is kind of steep. It's actually very difficult to uh ride a dragon it turns out um but it's cool and i'm pretty sure it's free to play but i if i remember correctly it's free to play but it's like heavy microtransactions they've got this kind of a cool system where you like earn dragon eggs and then over time you like complete object or you complete like dailies and weeklies and eventually the egg hatches and then that's how you get new dragons and then there's tons of cosmetics. You can like put different armor pieces on the dragon, and you can customize your rider too. Um, yeah, this one's cool. Did anybody else play this yet? No, but I really like the look of it. I I, I can't wait to give it a go because like you know there's dragons in there, aren't there? So, like, you know, I, <laughs> yeah, I'm, and I'm sure they have an age. I mean, <laughs> yeah. it's called Age of Ashes, isn't it? Yeah, so I mean, uh, it's, it's the closest thing to Dragon Age Four we got at Gamescom. So like you know. <laughs> It's very close to game of the show for me, just on that premise alone. Sure. Um, yeah, was it going to be on Game the Pass? The only thing I wanted. <laughs> is it going to be on Game Pass? No, but it is, like I say, uh, free to play, as far as I know. Um, I could I could be wrong about that, but that's what I remember. Anyway, I think we're going to have fun blasting fireballs at each other. It's a good time. Uh, next was a UFL, a new football game. Yeah, everyone thought it was going to be eFootball, and then this UFL thing showed up, and everyone was like, oh, okay. Wait, cool. what kind of football are you talking about? Uh, the kind with your feet. Real football. <laughs> oh, okay, okay, okay. It's a new soccer game. Comes to every... A new I'm soccer like, uh, game. All right, all right. Okay, I don't care. <laughs> I will never say the S word, ever. Soccer. Do you guys use soccer to mean something else? Or you no. just don't say no. it? No, no that, that, that's a Great. fake word. Okay. I've said it before. Though. Lego the Skywalker Ugh. Saga. I think this was our first extended look at the next Lego game, and it looks oh, like a blast. Looks like a blast. <laughs> Who doesn't like these Lego games? I don't play all of them. There's so many, I don't play all of them, but every time I play one, it's so much fun. I don't even like Star Wars that much, and I've always played the Lego Star Wars games because they yeah. are brilliant. And well, this looks this looks uh, class. I'm very excited for it. Do the films better than the films do the films? I think <laughs> that's true. Yeah, they just have a, such a better tone and attitude. Like, yeah, they're just so much more fun. So personally, I don't. Uh, I'm not. 
I don't feel too strongly about Star Wars. And, you know, I feel like the Lego games are, like, great to be shared with younger audiences. I've, I've like, reviewed a fair few from them past. And I've always said that, like, if you're a parent playing with, like, a younger child, that's one of the best games to play. Um, however, I spoke to a few of my friends earlier who are, like, all nearing 30. And uh, when I'd mentioned Gamescom, that was the only thing they cared about. That was the only thing. Everything else, they were like, could not give a shit. But Lego Star Wars, hell yeah. Which surprised me, but there you go. 30-year-old men are the demographic. <laughs> yeah, because, and my... No, because it's excellent, right? It leans into how inherently stupid Star Wars is. Because I, I, I don't yeah. mean to be dismissive. I don't really like Star Wars that much. I enjoy watching it. like, And I know a lot of people who are really, really Well, there's no it. dragons. Yeah, no <laughs> dragons. I mean, you know, 0 out of 10. But... You know, the, the, the Lego games are funny and campy and ridiculous at all times. And I think that's what makes them great because they're fun to play. Like, you know, the gameplay loop is pretty decent. But also, as I think it was James who said it, like, in a in a huge way, they do tell the stories of the films in, I think, a more organic and engaging way than the films do. Especially the prequels. Yeah. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I think a big part of it as well is they like encapsulate the PS2 era and they've never really moved on from that. They still just feel like classic platformers. Yeah, well, this one is going to be more uh, like open world. Yeah, than the previous one. So that's interesting. I think I think Marvel Lego was had some open world stuff too, if I remember. Yeah, like um, Marvel now. superheroes. Yeah, Lego Marvel superheroes had New York, then DC Batman had Gotham, and then. Okay. I think it was Star Wars Force Awakens. You could travel from planet to planet in the Millennium Falcon. Very cool. I'm sure there will be 500 playable characters in this one, <laughs> as always. I swear there's like a thousand in this one. Um, also, you can play any of the movies in any order, I think. So that's cool, too. It's just the that, Skywalker saga, though, isn't it? What, isn't that all nine movies? Yeah, that's all of them. No, but like Rogue One and Solo. And oh, stuff, those though. aren't real movies. <laughs> just kidding I'm, i know people like that one. um okay the next one was synced off planet which was just a cinematic some kind of third person uh sci-fi thing with lots of nanobots and i don't know and didn't hear about this one before but intrigued personally the protagonist looks like a standard highly typical protagonist from a ps3 maybe even ps2 game sure yeah just extremely generic he, interesting. He's got a faux hawk and he's got ports in his neck like the Matrix. Um yeah, I don't think it's gonna be groundbreaking or anything. I mean we haven't even seen gameplay yet, but I I just I just like this kind of lowbrow sci-fi shit, I guess. <laughs> uh next was the Outlast Trials, which I could have sworn was already a game. I'm confused. Outlast still exists. Uh, yeah. Outlast Trials is a new co-op oh. Outlast game, uh, playable mm. solo or with up to three friends. Uh, come in 2022, any Outlast fans? Uh, I have zero interest in Outlast, and I'm surprised if anyone on the planet actually likes it. Uh, I'll be quiet then. <laughs> Does anyone here like it? I I have fond-ish no. memories. I tried it after I have like fondish memories of the first one and being scared by it, but I never did the second because I heard it was just like stupid and disgusting. And then this seems like it's just Saw the multiplayer game, which actually sounds really cool when I say it. So yeah, maybe I'll check it out. I don't know. Yeah, that sounds cool. 
my friend told me they were like masterclass horror games and I should play them if I like mm. Resident Evil Ooh. 7. And I think I played an hour. And yeah, that's not true. <laughs> I love horror games and I've never had a good time with Outlast. No. Um, yeah, I guess it's just, it's really just like bad hide and seek. Yeah, I don't find that scary, really, just hiding all the time. There's nothing really um, more to do. I mean, it can be done well. Like, Alien Isolation is a lot of hide-and-seek. I think there's more to it than that, yeah, though. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay, we'll move on, since nobody even cares or likes <laughs> that game. Uh, Doke V? Ooh, Am yes, I saying yes, this right? Yes, game of the show. Yes, yep. Here we okay. Wait. You said the All dragon right. one. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. The, 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 Let's get into it. The dragon is game of the show in terms of being the closest thing to Dragon Age 4. Doke V is game of the show in terms of being the absolute best thing that was revealed last night. Without a shadow of a doubt. This is this is Korean MMO Pokemon. Yes. Apparently it's open world now, not MMO. Yeah, I think, I think the, the MMO thing was apparently they hadn't updated their website in like two years. So I don't think it's actually an MMO anymore. <laughs> oh. That was pulled from the old website. Uh, I think they have sent a few emails out to confirm that it is open world action adventure. It looks so good. Gotcha. This is from the developers of uh, Black Desert Online, which is a a lovely game that people like a lot, but they've also had some less popular games, so... We'll see. I mean, it definitely looks really charming and, um, you know, obviously, like, everybody's always wanted an open-world Pokemon game and we are finally getting one next year, but... Now that you've said that, I'm getting flashbacks to the Pokemon game that got revealed with the AK-47. Oh, yeah! I completely forgot it existed. What's that called? What's that, Power yeah. or something? Yeah. 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 That might not be a real game. We'll see. <laughs> That might have been a meme. Uh, but this looks cool. Uh, Nintendo man, big brains. Your thoughts? Yeah. <laughs> he says, yeah. Great. What an endorsement. Absolutely. Uh, honestly, I, I, was, I was being drowned out by, by the soundtrack. I had, I had no idea what was Fair happening. enough. What? The soundtrack's so good. It was so loud. <laughs> I'm I'm sorry, George. I'm so sorry, George. I feel like I'm picking on you. It was so obnoxious. Like I couldn't, I couldn't think. I couldn't think, and as a result, I didn't know what kind of game it was. Well, I, I was, think that you should watch the trailer again. I was dying like at this point during this during the stream. I was like, oh my god. Like I was having an existential crisis and everything. You know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna play the music over everything you just said. Oh. Uh, <laughs> Please do. I'll, I'll hit the point home. <laughs> it sounds like anime, right. Dave. Don't you like that? I do like anime. It's true. All right. We, we can all agree it looks like anime. Oh. Jurassic World Evolution 2. This is a game that's been announced. And now we have a release date. And I don't know what it is, but we have it. <laughs> Isn't it that simulator game where you run a park? Uh, I think that's about all I know. I thought there were already like fifteen of them. Is this uh, this is the one by Rollercoaster Tycoon yes. people, right? No, that's part uh, that's part beyond, isn't it? Yeah, this is uh, from the Planet Zoo Planet Coaster team, right? That's the one. Uh, who who is made up of original Rollercoaster Tycoon people. Wait, what are we talking about right now? 
We're Jurassic talking about Park. Jurassic World Evolution too. <laughs> oh, I thought everyone—I thought everyone was talking about pla- the Park Beyond thing. I was like, oh yeah, that looks great. Jurassic World. Oh, okay. Meh. Jurassic World Evolution is a uh, very good sim, like city builder game. Um, but it has some flaws and it gets kind of long in the tooth. So I, I'm hopeful for the sequel that they learn some lessons because Planet Zoo is incredible. Uh, it's the best city builder, park builder game ever made. Uh, and if this is anything like, if this is that, but with dinos, I think it's going to be a bop. You guys ever play any of that stuff? Can you actually unleash the dinosaurs on the park like the movies, though? Is that what you're into? Like, that's what <laughs> the record you can. That's what does it for you? Yeah. <laughs> you can just remove the enclosures. Yeah. You're the, you're the person that uh, takes the exits off of the roller coasters so people get trapped on. <laughs> yeah. I'm the guy that pulls out the natural disasters. I would like Two to tycoons. get off Mr. Bones' wild ride. Um, okay, we'll move on. That's just a me thing, then. No, it looks fun. Is it on Game Pass? Thanks, thanks. (laughs) We'll be on Game Pass. Planet Planet Coaster's on Game Pass on console, but not Game Pass on PC, which basically means it's pointless. Brutal. Oh, okay. Far Cry 6, oh my god, how many trailers have we gotten for Far Cry 6? Six. Too many. (laughs) A lot. (laughs) A lot. Uh... I'm not going to play this, I, because I don't play any of them, but anybody else? No, I'll play this. I, yeah, Far Cry's pretty great. I think okay. it gets a bad rap. I don't have time to play Far Cry 6. Yeah, oh yeah, it's going to be like 500 hours long. Yeah. Oh, it's just... It gets kind of a bad rap as being, like I guess, the originator of a lot of bad Ubisoft tropes. Um, and there's like, a, there's like a whole list yes. of bad Ubisoft tropes, but Far Cry 5 was quite a lot of fun. Um... And I'm happy to see them return to like a protagonist as an actual character, and like that's pretty much all I wanted from a Far Cry sequel. So I, I'm pretty pleased. I don't know how like I, I don't know how excited I am. I think it's just sort of again, it's like Riders Republic. It's just a game you put on and you play, and like I probably won't have strong feelings. But I'll probably enjoy it. Review coming soon. <laughs> yeah. I think at the old, extremely wise age of 25. I've realized that I do not necessarily have time to play every single game that comes out. And when stuff like this comes out, like, I, I, I watched that trailer. Giancarlo Esposito is a phenomenal actor, and I enjoyed watching the trailer. But also, yeah. I don't think there are, there's any world where I would prioritize this game over something else. You know? Anything else. <laughs> My problem with the Far Cry series is that it deals with so many interesting themes and does nothing with them uh and i'm always the ones that i have played i'm always disappointed about what it says or lacks saying uh with its characters and themes uh there's some hope i guess that this is going to have a meatier story um than previous ones and that it's not going to try to be the most not political political game ever like uh its predecessors but uh, I don't have a lot of hope that, that that's true because I think, uh, as far as storytellers, um, Ubisoft tends to be kind of cowards. So before we move on, I think it's worth saying that Jet the Far Shore comes out two days before Far Cry Six. Metroid Dread comes out the day after Far Cry oh. Six. Like Battlefield is later that month. Guardians of the Galaxy, Solar Ash. Like it's a pretty stacked month, and I just think that just eats into too much time if you want to play 
for me, that's the that's the game that month that you go, I'll give this one a miss. So you get to everything else. Jet and Metroid are almost certainly going to be way better games than Far Cry, and Far Cry is going to sell three times as much as both of those games combined. So, Which is ridiculous. Them's the but breaks. Also unfortunately true. Yeah. Blood Hunt, The Masquerade, The Bloodlines, The Battle Royale, The Blood Hunt. Uh, I played a little bit of this during a beta. Uh, I think it's going to flop. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> it'll go, it'll be on Game Pass. It'll be fine. <laughs> did, you, <laughs> did you guys ever play... Um, oh, I'm going to bash on Ubi again. Uh, Scape. Uh, hyperscape. 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 Oh, my God. Uh, it's so yeah. bad. Jesus. So I remember bad. it, kind of. That's that's the realm that we're in. That that's sort of the the lane that we're in. Now this is third person uh vampire battle royale, but it gave me big old hyperscape vibes. That's kind of all I have to say about it. Also, in the alpha, you 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 couldn't party up with your friends. I know this <laughs> sounds like sour grapes, but Ugh. you could party. And you could join Spike and get into a party. If, like if everybody hit Q at the same time, we managed to get some of us in a party together. And in the hub where everybody runs around, you can see your friends, but you could not join a party and play the game with your friends. Uh, absurd. That's uh, unacceptable. A travesty. You say Vampire Battle Royale, my mind just goes Hunt Showdown. And looking at it, it looks nothing like what I was hoping it would be. <laughs> Are there vampires in Hunt now? No, but the whole like monsters battle royale kind of thing. I thought Hunt Showdown was cowboys. Yeah, no. pretty much. Well, I mean, there's monsters in it. You hunt. You do hunt monsters. Huh. Um, but I mean, if you if you are familiar with Bloodlines, like Vampire Masquerade Bloodlines, there's like a lot of that flavor here. So that's cool. As we wait for the sequel, um, you can you know you can sneak up on humans and drain their blood and that gives you more stats or whatever. I don't know. It's not going to be a good game. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, everybody. Park Beyond. Uh, a new, another theme park sim. The Exactly what the world needed. Can you kill everyone in the park? <laughs> well, yeah, I think that's sort of the angle they're going for. Isn't it? I think uh, was that the one that had, was that the one that had Che Gorath in the trailer? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I know exactly oh, what yeah. you mean. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I probably won't play that. This this whole podcast is me and Kian being like, games are fucking shit. <laughs> I, so far, yeah, boys. I don't know. Here, here. Let's. I'm gonna perk everybody up. Okay, Jet the Far Shore, October fifth. Yeah, that looks uh, great. Which one's that? Eh. Kian, tell us about it. I will play that. <laughs> I will play that, and also, you know. To be completely honest, I was writing during that trailer yesterday, so I actually haven't seen the new trailer. But I was already looking into it because I had read a lot of good coverage of it. And, you know, I just think... Again, I didn't yeah. watch the recent trailer yesterday. So I'm actually going off what Stacy said to me, to be completely honest. But... Oh, no. What? <laughs> no, go on. <laughs> No, I don't have very much to say about it yesterday. I was actually, hold on, I'll watch it now. You talk about it, Eric, and I'll watch it now. Yeah, uh, it's kind of got a little No Man's Sky vibes. 
I think um, big open world multi planet exploration, fly around in spaceships, explore the planet, maybe collect resources. Even um, it looks it looks like your uh, your chill vibes game. I'm not even sure if it has combat, um, but yeah, it just looks like a big fun explore exploration thing. And it's been a while since I've played No Man's Sky. Um, it's been a while. It's been a while, and I know that that game has changed a lot. But I seem to recall that No Man's Sky's planets were pretty like boring to explore. The procedural generation kind of flattened everything out, and it wasn't like it didn't ever feel like you were discovering new things that much. And this looks like it has some pretty cool geography, uh, some interesting uh, art stuff. Keen, jump in. The art style is absolutely incredible. Just there watching it again now. Um, it's it's not really comparable to other games I've seen in terms of how it's actually directed artistically. It also looks incredibly ambitious um, in terms of, like, the UI is is not actually that cluttered for what you appear to be doing in it, which I, I'm not sure if it's been stripped back for this, but, like, looking at this now, it's a lot of... Like first person stuff, but then actually when you're flying around, it's like it's obviously you're in a ship, so third person is technically incorrect because it's it's not personable. But it is it it zooms out then, and the environments absolutely explode in scale. Yeah, it's absolutely wild. And yeah, th- th- this is what what I was thinking of before. I- initially, what drew me into this was the art style, but I hadn't actually seen what you were doing in it. I think it looks. Uh, I don't want to say that like this this might sound outlandish, but I would be more interested in playing this than No Man's Sky, even though they're like, you know, of a similar buzz. Yeah. I think it looks more uh, approachable. It is definitely uh interesting. That's it October fifth. PC uh via Epic. Uh it's also gonna be on PS4 and PS5. Coming up soon. Horizon Forbidden West officially delayed until February 28th. I think there was, we knew this was going to happen. And maybe they even said it wasn't going to be this year, but they didn't say what the date was. I don't remember exactly how it played out, but now we know officially February 28th, which puts it in a tight window. <laughs> My God, the beginning of next year. <sighs> I mean, that's only, that's like days from Pokemon uh, Legends, isn't it? Yeah, I think Elden Ring is January 21st. Legends Arceus is January 28th. Horizon yeah. is February 18th. And there's another enormous one that week. I think it might be the 17th. I can't remember what it is. But and now we've also got uh, Marvel Midnight Suns in March. Oh, God. So, yeah. That is also accounting for no more delays, though. The, like Some of these games could be delayed again. I would also like to point out that before the show, we were talking like, oh, we're making predictions. We're like, okay, what's going to be there? Let's have a talk. Uh, Kian rightly predicted that Horizon was there. And I was like, no, you're wrong. They would never, like, Sony does their own <laughs> thing. And then Horizon pops up and I just I look at my screen. I'm like, oh, no, Kian was right. I don't like this. <laughs> yeah. to, be fair, to be fair, a few people said I was wrong. And I was like, well... PlayStation are showing up, so it's either God of War or Horizon. I don't think PlayStation are going to show up and only show Death Stranding Director's Cut. Sure, yeah. Why would, why would why would PlayStation bother otherwise? True, true. You know? But, um, God of War obviously wasn't there, but Horizon, like, Horizon looks phenomenal. Like, 
the, the state of play back in I know we didn't see anything yesterday, but after after they announced the delay, I went and looked back at the state of play from June. After watching that originally, I was like, oh, this this is fine, this is fine, whatever. But the more you rewatch it and compare it to Zero Dawn, you can see all the improvements that have been made. And I think the only real problem with Zero Dawn was how lifeless some of the cities were. Like, you could explore, and when you were out in the wilderness and stuff, that kind of, like, isolation was, you know, the ambiance it created was nice. But when you actually went to cities and the, like, you know, the scripting of NPCs, like, going about processes was so obvious that it sort of pulled you out of the world a bit. Mm. And the state of play sort of avoided that to an extent. It was more, obviously, combat-oriented, and it displayed the new stealth systems and traversal. But if those things have been improved that much, I think it's safe to say that Forbidden West, I think the only thing that it's not 100% guaranteed to improve on is the story, because who knows? Horizon is a pretty good story, but yeah, Come I don't on, know. Man. Like, I, I think delaying it was a totally reasonable decision because I think Guria knows that this is a game that is going to, like, you know, perform incredibly well, both critically and commercially. Mm-hmm. It's wild how much the PlayStation 5's debut titles have been pushed back. Yeah, like I would, wouldn't be that surprised in, if this got pushed again. Yeah, I mean, if you factor in not having COVID, the PS5's launch probably would have been quite stacked with all these huge blockbusters. Yeah. I don't know if that's for better or worse, though. Uh, we got a new trailer for New World, which has been delayed until September 28th, but they added another beta, September 9th through the 12th. Uh, I played. Though? I played a lot of it. I play. I've played probably twenty hours of this so far. Is it good? Uh, uh boy, that's. Oh that, God, I knew it. <laughs> that's an incredibly subjective question. I mean, you can do, just say no. It's fine. I'm not. I can't say no because, like, yeah, you can. If this is your, if, if like you like MMOs, I think this is a good one. I generally do think that this is a good MMO. I like the problems I have with it are mostly problems that I have with all MMOs. Uh, but I will say uh, it has no mounts and it, ha- and it has no running and, oh. and the 20 no hours. Running? Yeah. The 20 hours that I played were exclusively running across the world, walking across the world, doing a quest, walking back to turn in, the quest and you can there is fast travel once you discover new towns and cities and stuff but it costs resources and in my 20 hours i didn't get enough nearly enough to be fast traveling around so i was just hoofing it and amazon has said that they're that if people want mounts they are open to doing that uh and i think that that needs to be like something they do immediately because it's mmos are a huge time sink as it is but most of the time you spend playing this game is walking across the world, in my opinion. So what's good about it? <laughs> uh, so the the combat and the gear system is really cool. Uh, basically, your your class is determined by whatever weapons you decide to use, and okay. all of those weapons have their own progression systems. Uh, so and you can have two weapons at a time. Mm-hmm. So you can you can really tailor your um, your play style. And change it kind of on the fly. Um, Yeah, there's a lot of points to spend on like your attributes, uh, but also all those weapons upgrade in interesting ways. 
Uh, and it's got a big PvP focus, which I know isn't for everyone, but from what I've played, it was pretty fun. Um, the The PvP mode is kind of this big complex battle where you have to push to secure points and then collect resources like wood and stone and stuff to build, uh, to reinforce those points, build turrets, put up walls and stuff. And then you have uh, some characters that are like summoning animals to fight with you and stuff like that. Um, yeah, it's pretty cool. I don't, I can't say much for the story, um, but it it wasn't as um, off putting as I expected. So that's what I have to say about that. Do you think the PvP has esports potential? I know, like World of Warcraft has an esports scene. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. That all that matters is how many people are playing it. You know. It, I don't yeah, think, true. as far as like esports potential, I think Rocket Arena had esports potential. <laughs> but if nobody's playing the game, there's not going to be a scene for it. So, so what's the uh, the what's the model they're going with? Is it in pricing? Uh, it has no subscription, but it does have a retail. I think it's just a sixty dollars retail. Um, there's lots of microtransactions. Uh, stuff to buy if you want, but it didn't seem uh, overly pushy to me. Um, and I don't know what the content release schedule is like, but I mean, it is a normal MMO, so you know, you know what to expect, I guess. September twenty eighth, that's coming out. I think, uh, yeah, I, I, it's, I kind of had a really low bar for it, to be honest. And I don't, I don't think it's gonna like take over Final Fantasy fourteen or anything like that. Uh, but for Amazon's first game being such an ambitious project, it's uh, it was a lot more fun than I expected. Okay, I've been talking a lot, but I got more to say about Marvel Future Revolution, which is a mobile that was game. Another Marvel one. This is a mobile game. It came out uh, during the show. You can download this now. It is a, uh, it's another MMO. Um, quick funny story about this before I was ever in games writing and before the gamer, I actually did play testing for Netmarble on occasion. And so I, I actually played this game like four years ago mm. and it was still in development. Yeah. Is anybody interested in mobile MMO Marvel game? You can be yeah. Spider-Man. Eh. I thought there were like 10 of those already. <laughs> There are a lot of mobile Marvel games. This is the only uh, MMO that they've done. Ah, right. Yeah. I hate how saturated the industry is becoming with stuff like MMOs because they're all just clinching for as much time as possible. Like, yeah. it, it, is such, it is such a time retention competition that is solely focused on, you know, leveraging more than all of the competitors that it's just like, it's just... To play these games, you need to devote so many hours to them, which means that you also kind of put hours into different things. And ah, I could talk. I'm, I'm not going to rant because if I rant, then I'll talk for twenty minutes, and this is already an extraordinarily long segment. But yeah, I don't know. I'm sure it's fun. Um, it has kind of a cool concept where it's it's like multiverse, so you got heroes from all different timelines. Uh, coming in to fight together, and that's how you can sort of justify how everybody's Spider-Man. 
you know, or everybody's Captain America, whatever, you can have like multiples of the same heroes because you're all supposed to be coming from your own timeline. Are there alternate versions as well, or is it just to explain? Uh, well, well, so you customize, right? you know, like with the gear you put on and stuff. So yeah, so everybody looks like a different Spider-Man eventually. Um, right. But it also has that like autoplay that gets to me. Like I, I hate the idea of a game that, you can just hit the autoplay button and it plays itself because it's like, you know, yeah. what the fuck? Why did you even download this? If you're yeah. not gonna play. And also, like, if you have that, it's because the game is such a grind that sometimes you just need the game to be playing while you're doing other stuff. Mm-hmm. And that I hate that shit. I hate that shit a lot. Yeah, you end up noticing that with a lot of mobile games, with yeah. the autoplay mechanic, it ends up being the case that, like, the late game is where things get in quotes, interesting, and auto-battling won't get you through the battles, but sure. it's also where microtransactions become more prevalent because the battles become so much harder. And, like, uh, as we know, it's almost always, like, a, some sort of character upgrade item, or, like, in Genshin Impact, it's like an Ascension item, which is borderline impossible to get unless you're pulling something magically. Um, yeah. All the games of the auto-function do kind of suck. I hate it. And uh, I actually told them that in the playtest, and that was the last playtest they ever invited me to. So, rip. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> uh, then we got a little Tales segment where uh, yes. uh, the Tales of Arise demo was, I guess, announced or like released. I don't re- recall exactly. But uh, they actually, also... the, the demos the demos been available for a couple, like a week at least, at least a okay. week. So they were just they're, reminding. They were just us. reminding people. Yeah, it's coming out relatively soon. Sometime September. Yeah, we're yeah. already in the review process for that, so I know it's coming out really yeah. soon. And then they announced, or I don't know if it was announced, but Tales yeah, of this was Luminaria. This okay. was an announcement. And okay, uh, I am I am actually a really big Tales fan, um, and I've I've adored these games for a couple decades now. And uh, there have been so many Tales mobile games, and they haven't been good. Any of them. Any of them. And as much as I would like to have faith in this one, just zero. Just <laughs> nothing. Like, yeah. I don't know. Where, it looks like they were going for like a more flashy, re- real-time battle aspect, which is nice. And a couple of the other mobile games did that as well. But ultimately, it always comes down to kind of what we described before, some sort of like grind to the end game, where suddenly it's on borderline impossible to get through unless you pony up some cash or do an incredible amount of grinding and i i, I don't know i'm not i don't want to have to go through that again i, I i'm so I, sorry that happened to you i know i respect <laughs> the uh the tales team bandai namco for always doing these like compilations and sort of like a- appealing to the nostalgia fans it's kind of like what final fantasy does with like disadia and they're also their mobile games but i wish they could do Something fun and nostalgic, which isn't a money grab. Right. You know? Yeah. Uh, oh, my God. We've been going for over an hour now. I'm going to start blasting through some of this stuff that nobody cares about. So uh, <laughs> chi- please chime in when you got something. Otherwise, I'm just going to say uh, Dead Mal 5 in core is a thing that exists. I don't know what the hell it is, and I don't think I want to know. Cool. Dead Mouse. Dead Mouse. Not Dead Mal 5. The I, man said he, it's Dead Mal Five. Tell all your friends in the and video. then and then he repeatedly referred to himself as Dead Mouse for the next yeah, two he minutes. Did. He did. <laughs> it's uh, like uh, Snoop uh, Dogg forgetting. 
when when he said that, I was like, oh, come on, he's taking the piss. And I think he was. How else was, are they supposed to Google it? They need to be able to Google it. It's Dead right. Mal 5 on Google. <laughs> no, that is incorrect. It's if you dead search mouse. Dead Mouse, it won't come up. This is yeah, a... But the, the 5 is pronounced as an S. No, this is a marketing e effort. They don't matter about, this, about the pronunciation. People need to be able to spell it for Google. This is a metaverse experience mess. that will help you keep up with real life events, and I don't know what the hell it is, and I don't think anyone's gonna care. And I don't, I don't think, think I'm just being a boomer about this. Huh? I don't, I don't think, think Deadmau5 Dead yeah. even knows what it is. Yeah. Is it a Forget game? about it. He doesn't even know how to pronounce his own name. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Jungle Book event in Fall Guys. Boy, Fall Guys is a game we stopped talking about completely. Um, but I bet it's still doing good i bet it's still let's huge, continue yeah? to stop talking about it okay <laughs> yeah well here's your jungle book tie-in very timely <laughs> jungle book event that's september 3rd through the 12th you can get blue and king louis and whatever the hell replaced sag cat studios anybody remember this one no no nope. all right age empires for this is where i really tuned out of the show <laughs> and they showed us the 10 minute explanation of how trebuchets work and i oh don't know God. why i don't people know why that happened people have been mispronouncing trebuchet which is what i don't understand how i do saw you say people it? on i saw people on twitter saying they called it tree bucket tree and i don't bucket? understand i don't get tree bucket yeah okay. i'm gonna start calling it that now because i think that actually sounds better <laughs> no, that is a fun word it kind of sounds like a pokemon too yeah, no. Tree bucket, like, use sand attack. <laughs> I knew it was called trebuchet, but tree bucket sounds so much more fun. Um, okay, Age Empires for everybody, October twenty eighth. Uh, Valheim expansion, Keen. Valheim expansion. I haven't played Valheim in a few months. Um, yeah, but you know, maybe I'll go back to it now. I think the last time I played the world I was on, we just got past the swamp. And then sort of, you know, fell out of it. But right. I've been in, like, qu quite a few worlds that progressed quite far, but never actually exhausted all of the bosses and biomes. But, you know, maybe this would actually bring me back in, because I think Valheim is absolutely brilliant. Great game. Like, yeah. It, it, it is one of the, like, my favorite games that came out this year. It's just, I don't think it's fun to play on your own, and I don't think it's a game that if you're playing co-op, it's not worth dipping in for, like, half an hour. Like, if I'm going to play Valheim, sure. I want to be playing with my friends for, like, four hours or more. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you and definitely got to dig into it. I think that's the biggest barrier to entry for people. Because, like, if they did streamline it a bit more and make it more SP-friendly, then, you know, I think it would have a much bigger appeal. But also, it would lose what makes a Valheim. So, it's a very sort of tough balance to strike at the moment. This is the Hearth and Home updates coming September sixteenth. We had an animated trailer that was very cool. I liked it. You should uh, you should go find that trailer. It was good. Crossfire X multiplayer trailer. What? <laughs> Crossfire X. Is that like it's an AMD a API? It's an Xbox <laughs> military shooter. Oh. oh. We will move on. Genshin Impact. Uh, we already knew this was coming, but we saw a bit of Aloy from Horizon Zero Dawn. 
Uh, all I could picture was that that one header image we have on site with a big no going across Aloy's face. <laughs> <laughs> Stacy used that as a reaction image for like a week after. Yeah, and so yeah, that's that's all I got. September Stacey 1st. was completely correct about that. Yeah, what'd yeah. you say? Stacy essentially said that Aloy coming to Genshin Impact is the first problematic sign of Genshin Impact veering towards Fortnite territory where it's like, uh-huh. hey, look at this person from a different series. We're going to market the series and everyone's going to pay loads of money for it to us while we market it for them. And like, you know, I mean, with some games, sure, whatever, I don't really give a shit, but Genshin is like, Genshin is so impressive and, you know, it's so well written and the lore and logic of that world are so cohesive and dense and I just think it's like, it's like a pollutant to actually incorporate characters from other series. It's like Fortnite's been nothing but that since the start, but Genshin's much more than that. Yeah, it it compromises the integrity of what makes Genshin actually good and special and, you know, worth playing. It's fun as well. Like, I like Aloy. Like, if I was playing, I'd like... I haven't played in a couple of months, and I probably will go back to it soon because I've been planning on playing again since Inazuma launched. But... The thing is, like, because, like, you know, the Electro Archon was what I was probably most excited for since the start, but it's sort of, if, if I pull Aloy in it, I don't think I can actually in good conscience play as Aloy, because we're like, why is, like, you know, Aloy from Horizon Zero Dawn in Genshin? Because she's going to shoot ice arrows and... You know, I I agree with Kian here. I do feel like, I mean, A, it's a little bit immersion-breaking, but personally, for me, the bigger problem that this poses is the fact that it has uh, a limited exclusivity to PlayStation consoles. And, uh, you know, we so already much. know that we don't have, like, cross-progression or cross-play from, like, yeah. PlayStation to the other Genshin platforms. But I don't like the idea of different platforms getting, like, updates at different rates. And this is the mm-hmm. first sign of that we've seen. I would not like this to be a recurring thing in the future. Beat it, Genshin. Uh, we've only got two more. Uh, here we go. Sifu, release date. Yes, February 22nd, 2022. I'm noticing a theme cool. and I'm having a panic attack about February 2022. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I mean, Sifu's the one to do, though, right? Like, Sifu is looking like one of the best indie games. I hope ever. so. It, it looks, looks so good. cool as hell. This is from the Absolver guys, right? Yes. I hope it's better than Absolver. Slow clap. I hope it's better than Absolver. Good point. Yeah, I mean, we've seen this one plenty of times now, and it's got that very cool martial arts gameplay. Reminds me of the raid. I mean, it's not that crazy, but um, I think it's going to be sick. I hope. Keen's really into it. I think Sifu looks incredible. And even in terms of the first time I saw it, I was actually quite annoyed about the audio design because I was like, Every single time you hit someone, it sounds like, uh, I don't know, like, you know, slowly tapping a wall with a hammer. Like, it, it just, like, it felt really inorganic and not half as deliberate as the actual strikes were. But, you know, the more I watched it and listened to it, I got, I was impressed by everything else. I loved the art. Like, I thought that the actual gameplay looked deadly. Um, but... Yeah, I, I, like, I, I soon got over my single qualm with it, and since then, I've... When I saw that last night, it was, you know, aside from Doke V, it was probably 
the most impressive trailer of the of the show for me. We ended the show with Death Stranding director's cuts. Yes. Uh, and lots lots of new stuff. What do we just, what do we got? I just published a piece, like literally the second we started this podcast, I published a piece on how Death Stranding, despite coming out in 2019, is the most exciting game of 2021, and I stand by that, and I it is 100% correct. Combat was the worst part of Death Stranding. I think almost anyone who played it can agree on that. The director's cut seems to introduce quite a lot more combat, which was initially very confusing and slightly off-putting, but the more I've actually seen of it, the more I'm like, listen, Kojima Productions put out an excellent game, and if the people there think that this needs more weapons and more combat sequences, I'm not going to argue against them because Death Stranding was incredible. And, you know, I didn't make it. I just played it and enjoyed it. So I'm going to, like, you know, I'm going to trust their judgment and wait to play it for myself. And I'm actually, that is part of why I'm so excited is because I'm like, well, this doesn't make sense to me, but I suppose it's actually going to be really good. So I'm curious to see how it actually goes. Okay, so I have I bought this game and I've been sitting on it in anticipation for the director's cut because I figured that I should play it for the first time once it has all this content. But what is worrying me a bit as someone who hasn't played the game is that everything, all, all of the new content, but not the combat stuff, but the stuff like the jetpack and the catapult and the robot that carries stuff for you, uh, all this stuff feels like it's for people that have already played the game and don't want to slog through the slower parts and want some stuff to help speed it up. And I'm worried that as a person that hasn't played it before, I'm going to lose something essential about this game when I can just like jetpack across the world. Is that a yeah. legitimate fear? Well, I think that you could play it now because the thing is, it supports uh, save data transfer. I'm not going to play it twice. I, there's 0% chance I'm going to play this game twice. No, but you don't have to play it twice. You can play it now, and then you can literally just transfer your data over and go for the Director's Cut editions. Oh, okay. Maybe I misunderstood. Is the Director's Cut, like, post-game stuff? You see, it's 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 hard to actually determine, but what... what... Yeah. The, the, the clearest it has been is that for anyone who has played it and doesn't want to go through a 60-hour game again, you can transfer your save file across to the director's cut and just kind of play on from there. So what I would expect is maybe it's not necessarily like, you know, linear additions within the actual story. I think that anything that has been added can likely be experienced in a non-linear way. Hmm. Is what it seemed like to me, at least. Also... It is worth remembering that Kojima said that, you know, he didn't like the name Director's Cut because that implies that they are introducing elements to the game that were originally cut, whereas these were always envisioned as like, you know, post-launch features and have been okay. written and directed since then. So I don't necessarily, it, it's not like, you know, a Director's Cut of a film where it's an extra hour long and that is spread out almost evenly throughout the runtime. Yeah, I think that you can probably experience most of this, like, you know, post-game. Hmm. I mean, Maybe all that most... stuff looks cool, right? Like the jetpack and the catapult and the robot and stuff. Like all that stuff does look fun, but it seems like it flies in the face of what the original Death Stranding was in a in a way. Spits in the face of God. I yeah, think... it spits in God's face. I think that as 
a lot of the people who stuck around and put like there are people who have put 1000 2000 hours into death stranding who like literally speed run deliveries and maximize efficiency and like you know they really mess around with the topographical functions of the map and stuff like that yeah i think for players like that that's what these additions are for because right. death stranding is like you know it, it is very slow and deliberate and that's what makes it special. That's what actually differentiates it from other games. But mm-hmm. I do think there is certainly a market there for people who will play this after they roll credits. That's where these additions come in handy. Yeah. I think cool. it's more options as well. It's like, you don't necessarily, there's ways in the original game to make deliveries a lot faster, but you don't have to do it. Like I, I always just enjoyed taking like the bare minimum of equipment and just walking everywhere. Like it really is up to you, and I think, you know, just having just having them in there, I don't think would ruin it. I think you can choose to use them or not. The only thing I didn't like about Death Stranding is the motorbike physics are absolutely shit. Well, this one has a full blown racetrack now, apparently. Yeah, so uh, hopefully they've improved them because in the base game, if you hit like a rock that was like you know five centimeters wide, it was as if that you drove directly into a wall at like three hundred kilometers an hour. Right. It was ridiculous. But <laughs> I, I would like to think that if they're introducing a racetrack that they've, you know, messed around with the motorbikes a little bit to improve them. Yeah, I, I'm excited to finally play it. I put it off for a really long time, but I feel like this fall is going to be at, right after I, I get through Deathloop. This is going to be the thing, I think. Will there be new monster flavors? They took the monsters no, out. monsters not in it. No, yeah. what? No monsters. Oh, okay. Yeah, that was yeah, monsters. yeah some sort of like it looks like some sort of generic energy drink now. I imagine the licensing deal expired. Yeah. yeah. To be fair, like that Bridges was the most charming thing. Oh, it was cool. No, it's part of its like charm. I I loved it. What? Let's go around the room now. Uh, James, what was the best? What? Who? Who won Gamescom? Oh, Saints Row, one hundred percent. It's like a return to roots game, which is all I've ever wanted, but keeping the silly fun side to it. It's all he's ever wanted. George, who won oh, yeah. Gamescom? Uh, tough choice, but Shredder's Revenge still is my dream. <laughs> oh, no. so, oh, sorry, everyone. I know it's like Sorry, Dave. <laughs> okay. okay. All right. Dave, who won Gamescom? Uh, Microsoft Flight Simulator. You all right, Dave? No, I'm so not all right. <laughs> Uh, but the other day they announced there was like going to be multiplayer races. Yeah. So, psh, so forget All the right. rest. Thanks, Dave. Thanks for being here, bud. No problem. Keen, who won Gamescom? Nobody. There was no oh Dragon Age 4. You said the Dragon Age <laughs> game. <laughs> no, Dude, if I have souls count as dragons. If I yeah. have to pick, if I have to pick something, I would say what got me most excited was V. But also, I don't necessarily want to give them some sort of crown for winning Gamescom because I firmly believed that Bioware was going to show off Dragon Age 4 and that didn't happen. So now I am refusing to give the title (laughs) of Best Gamescom Showcase to anyone in protest of the fact that Bioware skipped it. How could Bioware do this to you? (laughs) Uh, I am most excited... About Midnight Suns, of course. I will not stop talking about this game until it comes out. And I hope it's good. Also, Century of Ash- Century Age of Ashes is a lot of fun. Uh, check that out. And I think we're all going to have a lot of fun with Monkey Ball. Oh, um, yeah, that's sorry. right. Monkey Ball. <laughs> Hell yes! yeah. We got him. We got him, boys. <laughs> Let's go. 
All right, awesome. Uh, all of you can beat it. James and George, I'll see you later. I'm going to go talk about a game called 12 Minutes with Stacy and Jade. Goodbye. Twelve Minutes is the newest game from Annapurna, a typically a critical darling. I think we could all agree uh, in the indie space, but maybe uh, not so much this time. Um, let, let's start with you, Stacy. You have played through the game beginning to end, yes? Yeah, I've played through the game from um, beginning to end, kind of naturally, and then one of the endings that I got let me repick an ending. So I've seen a couple of the endings just because. The game did not seem to want to end. Um, and then I finally got to the point where I was like, yeah, I'm not bothered about seeing the other endings. I, I've i had enough time with this game now. Yeah. So w- give me give me your gut reaction, first of all, before we start getting in, into the details. Um, I think just before you get into, like you said, the, the details of the story, just as a game, it was really ridiculously fiddly. Um it kind of wanted to be dark, but not in a way that had any purpose to it or even real, like, excitement or tension to it. It was just a lot of weird things going on, like, to progress in one, but you've got to drug your wife. Like, even before you get into the actual dark things, like, just the basic gameplay of it was so weird. And Like, oh, you can call this guy's daughter up randomly and just start accusing her father of things and she'll just believe you. She'll like, she'll quibble for like 10 seconds, but then she'll go, okay, yeah, I'll phone him. It's all just a bit odd. The way it plays is odd. The story it wants to tell is ridiculous. The, the ideas behind it just feel like they were engineered to make what would have been a great game in 2003. Um, and it just doesn't quite hold up now. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. There's, there's so many, I have so many problems with this game, but, um, okay. Jade, can you kind of set up the premise of 12 minutes and like what the game is without, without sort of going too deep into what the story is? So the premise is you're a dude, you, you arrive home from work one day, you say hello to your wife and it's all, it's all dandy until a Willem Dafoe shows up at the door. And then he starts knocking on, demanding to come in, and then he takes you, he ties you and your wife up and starts screaming at you. And then when you're killed for the first time, it becomes evident that you're in a time loop, which lasts, as the title suggests, 12 minutes. And the object of the game is essentially to figure out why you're in this time loop, how to prevent it, and figure out why why the cop is there, the part of your wife, like your involvement. And as Stacey said, it's it's trying to be like, this this dark and mature narrative adventure but it it comes off as something like david cage would write and make yeah yeah that's definitely the thing um so just to like paint the picture if you haven't seen this game it's uh all from a top-down perspective and a it all takes place Mm -hmm. in a very tiny apartment it's got a living room a bathroom and a bedroom and that's it and uh, you can move around this apartment freely by just clicking wherever you want to go and as well clicking objects to interact with them or take them and put them in your inventory. And then in sort of a classic Monkey Island adventure game style, you open your inventory and you combine items together 
Um, and then you can use those items and and to solve puzzles and advance the story. And uh, it stars uh, James McAvoy and Daisy Ridley. And and it's from a publisher that makes really great inventive indie games. And so for me, it really had like all the pieces of something I was really interested in. It's sort of a murder mystery. It's from a really cool indie publisher. It's an adventure game. And I really like that kind of thing. Uh, and none of the pieces came yeah. together for me at all. Because like from looking at it from a distance, even from the trailers we saw over the course of the years, really, this looked like it was going to be like another Annapurna masterpiece. Like everything was there for it to stick the landing. But to me anyway, like all of its components fall short. Like the story isn't good. The controls are fiddly and frustrating. And I don't, I, like the acting is fine, but it, it feels weird to pitch two like really talented british actors and then suddenly have them put on bad american accents bad accents <laughs> yeah I'm like, oh daisy ridley is clearly not american um so i want to i want to sort of critique the design i'm i'm saving the story stuff because i think that's the most egregious and that's when i'm yeah. gonna really like blow my top so <laughs> so while we still sort of dance around what what the story of the game is I think for me, and I'm interested in your opinions on this too, I, I've played a lot of puzzle games similar to this. I've recently played puzzle games similar to this. Uh, I played The Forgotten City and I've played Overboard too. And so what I found with 12 Minutes was that a lot of the quote-unquote puzzle solving was, a, was simply a matter of engaging in dialogue, choosing all the options, and then resetting the loop and choosing the new options that show up. Yeah. I think that was most of the game. There is one loop where you have to do a absurd amount of things to get through it. Like I, I would spoil it, I guess, if I like walk through it, but there's one loop where you have to start out by like taking all the mugs in the house so your wife can't have any water. And then you, <laughs> and then I'm not going to walk through the whole thing, but then you have to go in the bathroom, find the sleeping pills, combine it with the mug, fill the mug with water, give it to your wife, knock her out. Then she goes to the bedroom. Then you hide in the closet and it just keeps going. And that's like really the densest puzzle loop in the game. And almost all of the rest of the game is just like, listen to all the dialogue, reset the loop. And now you have new dialogue options because you have new information. I feel like the puzzle design and the pace of the narrative completely are completely at odds with one another because it's far too fiddly and frustrating from a gameplay perspective to gel with the way it wants to express its story. Like I feel like neither of them really work. Yeah, I, th I think what's interesting is the the actual gameplay lets you combine things quite well. Like you can do a lot of things in the game that you shouldn't necessarily be able to. It's it's quite intuitive in that way and that you get to interact with the world in. And it, like, if you want to just stab your wife to start over, you can. And just go, right, no, I'm done. Um, That's quite cool. I don't understand why they've only got two mugs in the house. That That is generally the biggest problem I have with the game, more than the ending, more than anything else. <laughs> why does this... They've got two mugs and no glasses. What do... <laughs> How does it live? It, it is it's, weird to fill a mug with water to eat your dessert. <laughs> a, mug, yeah. a mug full of water is of sus. Like, oh, okay, I've made your want... favorite dessert. Let's have tap water in a mug that we haven't washed. Yeah. By the sus. way, I've drugged you. <laughs> <laughs> um. 
Okay, so then the other thing that's kind of interesting, uh, jumping off of our conversation last week, um, no content warning for 12 minutes. Yeah. Right? Probably a game that should definitely have one, right? Much more so than Boyfriend Dungeon, like goodness me. <laughs> yeah, I think um, it's it's one of those weird games. Like we said about Boyfriend Dungeon last week, I know I spoke about Boyfriend Dungeon quite a lot, so I'd be interested to hear what Jade has to say, because I know she wasn't in that um section of the podcast but you know boyfriend dungeon is the kind of game that you would expect to have a content warning just because it attracts you know mainly going to attract queer players to it. it's going to attract mm-hmm. players who are used to those kind of things in their in their media who are used to perhaps being pandered to a little bit if you are being cruel but certainly they they're used to media conforming to their expectations and to being aware of the need for content warnings and trigger warnings and, and how they can be used this is not one of those games. You know, this this is a game that is made, quote unquote, to be taken seriously. Yeah. I think Boyfriend Dungeon is acutely aware that it's a toy. Yeah. Um, and 12 Minutes thinks it's a film that you participate in. Um, mm. And that's why it doesn't want to... The one thing you would say in 12 Minutes Defense is the thing that needs a trigger warning is kind of the twist. Whereas in Boyfriend Dungeon, you meet the, the stalker early on. Um and obviously the texts from your mom are, are right at the start of the game. Um, but yeah, it's one, it's one of those weird things where certain games desperately need trigger warnings and then just don't get any flack for not including them. And then certain games that we expect to be you know, perfect for our consumption then get away with, or rather get criticised for not quite having a full trigger warning, even though it has two and explains them incredibly clearly. Right. It does. It seems hypocritical that people would criticize one over the other, but I guess you have to imagine that these have a different audience. Both on Game Pass. <laughs> they are both on Game Pass. But yeah, like 12 minutes from the outset, it, it's abundantly clear this is trying to be almost like a provocative cinematic experience from its presentation to its writing to its, to its almost minimalism, I suppose. Like the stuff you can do in this game is... It is like I suppose if you're going to use the terminology triggering, like you could. Sure. There are moments in this game where you could. There was a moment for, with me, for example, where I, I stabbed my wife, and then my character was traumatized essentially, and then I also had a gun, so I just shot myself in the head, and like those are like some horrible acts to do, and this is without even mentioning the stuff that happens, like in terms of the narrative and the twists. Like this is a game that probably should have a content warning more so than boyfriend dungeon but also the stuff you need to warn people about is also integral to the narrative like despite how bad the narrative is i don't think either should have a content warning yeah. that would be my stance on it. I, uh, yeah it's I, not that I think this you. one should it's that i don't think boyfriend dungeon needed one and Me i neither. don't think this kind of game needs one either it opens with the shining the carpet from the shining you know, it, it's going to get into that kind of terror. That's yeah, what we like, all should have stopped. It's very playing. much like if you see the trailer, yeah, exactly. you know what kind of shit you're getting into. I'm I'm going to end up disagreeing that the twist is. I think the twist is the least uh, triggering thing in the whole game. But um, okay, let's let's get into the actual story. Um, I'm going to spoil the entire plot. And I'm going to try to do it in a earnest, not snarky way and explain <laughs> what happens in this game. And I will, I'll, I'll pause to let you guys fill in the blanks. 
Um, but I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure this is everything that happens in this video game. Okay. <laughs> you come home from work and your wife has made dessert. She's very excited because she's going to uh, soon reveal to you that she's pregnant. But before she gets the opportunity to do that, there's a knock on the door. A man comes in. He says that he's a police officer and that he's arresting your wife for the murder of her own father eight years prior. He then starts demanding that she hands over a pocket watch. She refuses. They go back and forth for a while. And eventually she reveals that the pocket watch is hidden uh, inside the apartment. The, the officer finds it, gets it, and then kills you both. And the loop resets. Now you have a, however many loops to replay the game and uh, stop that the murder from happening and find out uh, a, a series of information. Uh, as you replay the game over and over, you're going to learn several things. One, uh, your wife got in a fight with her abusive father eight years ago on Christmas and shot him. Uh, two, uh, William Defoe was a friend of your father's and he found him as he was dying and swore to get revenge on your wife for shooting him. However, when he found him dying, it was not on Christmas. It was on New Year's. He was, in fact, shot twice, once on Christmas, again on New Year's, <laughs> which confirms that he was not shot by his daughter, but someone else. Who shot him the second time? The monster. The monster is his bastard son from his affair with the nanny. The next thing you learn is that uh, William Defoe, the officer, who may or may not be an officer, this is never made clear, uh, has a daughter uh, who is dying of cancer, and he intends to take a pocket watch. I have to pause here to explain the pocket watch. When Daisy's Ridley character shot her father, she also took a pocket watch that belonged to him for a reason that she can't herself explain. That pocket watch is incredibly valuable and William Defoe wants to steal it from her uh, so that he can pawn it and use that money for his daughter's cancer treatment. The final thing that you learn from repeating loops of this game is that the monster, the uh, bastard son of your wife's father, is actually you. And your 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 father her father as well uh confronted you on new year's several days after he'd been shot by his daughter after he discovered that you and your wife are in fact siblings and that his greatest fear is that you may one day have a child he demands that you end your relationship and in a scuffle you shoot and kill him unfortunately for reasons your character does not remember that this is what happened. He doesn't remember that you are siblings or that he killed your father. And once that memory comes flooding back to him, you are then thrown into a, uh, that scene with the dad and you can choose instead to end the relationship and not be with your wife or have a baby. And that breaks the loop and the credits roll. Did I leave anything out? Can you take can you take the incest route instead? Is that like the bad ending? If you if you take the incest route, it resets the loop. You got to keep going. Oh, okay. There are several options. You can be like, I'll never tell her, or you can be like, I'll tell her and she'll be cool with it. But either of those options 
keeps the game going. The only way to roll credits and end the game is to decide to never be with her in the first place. See, this is an anime. Like, it'd be a very different story. <laughs> <laughs> but it, is that just, is that the whole yeah. story? Did like that's everything, right? I think you got everything. Kind yeah. of, except the bit with the um with the dad. It's one that the dad is also played by Willem Dafoe, even though he's not. That's Willem very Dafoe, confusing. Yes, which that's I think needs confusing. to be stated that there are th- four characters in this whole thing, and two of the characters are played by the same person doing the same voice. But they're for not no actually reason. the same person. Yeah. You need to get their money's worth. Like, you can pay them for Willem Dafoe. Like... Unless they are the same. Like, is that what it's supposed to be? Maybe they're He's dead. He can't, he can't have shown up to avenge his own death. He's and dead. they would recognize him, right? Okay. Right. And he has a third so kid that he cares more about. So he wants his watch back. Because he wants to look after this <laughs> oh, third Oh, that's kid. a good point. Yeah, he's like, fuck these other two. Like... <laughs> <laughs> these incest losers. No time for them. There's a bunch of points in that story where you probably went, oh, there must be a reason for that. (laughs) That doesn't really make any sense, but I'm sure that is explained in the game. It is not. (laughs) That that really is the whole story. So obviously, like, that's not good. (laughs) (laughs) Uh... The thing that really gets my goat, and this is not going to be a popular opinion. Uh, two adults who did not know they, they were siblings, who then th- learn that they are siblings through no fault of their own or whatever, I don't think that there is anything wrong with that relationship at all. Have I been roped into a pro-incest podcast? Is this the what pro- this is? Yeah. <laughs> That's what we are. The game are pro-incest. Like, <laughs> but there's also, like, it's very... I, I can't remember what the word is, but... Yeah, that. But the, the odds <laughs> of these two half siblings getting together from anyone in the world is just like preposterous in itself. And, it's oh. it's such a juvenile take. It's it's. I'm embarrassed that they thought that this would be such a shocking revelation that these people that ha- did not grow up together are not. Pre- they're only half siblings, first of all. And second, they never knew each other as children. They have no relationship other than the romantic one that they found as adults. So what is offensive or, like, what is so scary about that scenario? I suppose if they're not blood-related, it's, it's still a bit weird. But... Why is it weird? <laughs> I don't I think it's for cultural expectations. Like, I tried to paint incest as a bad thing. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, sure. If you grew up, if a brother and sister grew up together in the same household, I think that would be a pretty weird thing. Oh, yeah. I, I agreed. I w- want to say for the record that I agree with that opinion. <laughs> but this this whole, they're absolute strangers that just happen to be half siblings. I don't think that there's anything controversial about that's so embarrassing it's more just like oh this is a bit weird maybe we should sit down and have a chat instead of your dad coming over to kill you yeah yeah i think that that would be a very boring game i think it's um there is there is controversy too you know how like community got cancelled like the episode after did an incest episode I feel like the next podcast is going to be our final one. Everyone's going to say, you guys are the incest guys. <laughs> I remember you. You talked about incest, and it was good. <laughs> In defense but No, well, I do know what you mean, though. I think, like, it. somebody obviously sat down in a room and came up with, like, what is the most, like, 
vomit inducing yeah. sick twisted yeah almost oh, unhinged ending we can come up with ah oh, incest baby like right. rick and morty just did that for the exact same reason because they just yeah. sat down and thought what's the waggiest thing we can do and I thought, well games have murder and all those kind of things all the time it can't be a death thing games do that a lot what's something different oh incest so I do know what you, you mean, but I think for me, it's not really about whether it's shocking or not. It's that it's so transparently been written to be shocking. Yes. And the way he realizes it is so moronic. It's like he doesn't remember killing his dad. He doesn't remember that they were, you know, spaced apart. This traumatic memory doesn't come back to him when his wife unloads her own um, horror story of how she feels she killed her dad. It was, ah. Right. Oh, the nanny w- was named after a flower. And I was like, well, there's no other possibility. Yeah, I guess that is something I left out. The The revelation, what, what finally connects the dots for him is that his wife intends to name the daughter after the nanny, which is the same name as his mother. That's that's, that's how the connection gets that's made. That's the twist in Batman versus Superman. That's, <laughs> the mar- that's his mother. <laughs> Um, that's the level of storytelling that is in. Yeah, this is Zack yeah. Snyder levels of storytelling. It tries to be The yeah, Shining, yeah. but it's really just Batman versus Superman, the dawn <laughs> of justice. Stacey, you're absolutely right, and that's what made me so mad about this game. Is like It's so transparently like we don't really have a good story or a good idea, but what's, shock- what's going to be shocking? What's going to get the people talking? But then on top of that, it's not even a shocking thing. It doesn't move the needle for me at all. Even if there was a well-crafted story that led us to this soap opera moment where you went, oh my God, I can't believe I didn't figure that out. Because like that's what makes a good twist, right? Is yeah. where is when yeah. y- you could have figured it out had you been paying better attention. If it actually is a good twist that makes sense. But yeah, this, it, even if it surprises this, you the first time and then the second time it makes complete sense. That's what a great yeah, twist is. And you can see the the clues. Absolutely. Even if this was that, it would still be moronic. <laughs> I do know what you mean. I I will say if it was a different game, a better game, and the happy ending was the half brother and half sister have a baby and and live happily ever incest after, I would probably be saying that's a weird ending. I do understand yeah. what you mean, but for, in real life, you can kind of argue the ethics of it, but in fiction, sure. it's a weird thing to throw in for no reason. Because you'd say, well, what is the point of it? What are they trying yeah. to say? Yeah, what what kind of point is, is being made? What kind of idea is... And then you find the director's married to a sister, and you're like, Yeah, oh, and then you're like, oh, that makes sense. Uh, it might be. I, I talked to him a couple of months ago about the game when it was it was still being viewed as very much like, oh, this is this could be like a sleeper hit of the year. And yeah, like it's going to be an award-winning film or something. Yeah, well, it put me to sleep, so there's that. Uh, yeah. Um... <laughs> Also, all right, I'm going to get off the incest thing. Never mind. <laughs> I can drill this point out. No, I'm still going to say because I can cut it out. <laughs> a, a half brother and a half sister having a child together. Do people really think that that is, gonna, that is going to result in some kind of like mutant inbred no, monster no baby? Relation. There's no blood relation, right? So no, they're blood related. They have the same dad. Oh, okay. So maybe it's but, a bit weird. But even so. That is not how incest work. Like that's not how genetics work. 
The answer takes... to your question is yes. Whether or not it's scientifically right or not does not matter. Yes, people <laughs> think this baby will be born with feathers and webbed toes. <laughs> like that's that's why the ending is shocking because people will just see works. incest. That's Ugh, so dumb. Jeremy Kyle stuff. That's what twelve minutes is. <laughs> uh, so this has been incest chat. Um, <laughs> Tune in next do, week. Jay, do you do you think people should play this game? The thing is, like, the discourse around this game has very much revolved around the absurd twist, and that's that's arguably why a lot of people have either jumped on it or played it out of curiosity. But I don't think it's a, a good game, like, in a lot of ways. But if it's on Game Pass, like, I'd check it out of morbid curiosity because I yeah. think I think Andy Kelly on the site gave it a six out of ten. Mm-hmm. Which I I'm not sure if you guys think that's a fair score. Like, no, nope. not at all. No. I think I think less. <laughs> like personally, Stacey, do you think that would you recommend this game to anyone? No, there are hundreds of thousands of games <laughs> out there. If yeah. if you want to see a story about brothers and sisters, just watch Pornhub. We, you've, we've told you the ending. <laughs> oh, we've told no. you the twist. You don't need to play this game. Go and play anything else somewhere else. Like, I just, I. Honestly, it's kind of a black mark on Game Pass because, like, way more people are going to play this game that would have, <laughs> and that's kind of a bad thing to me. <laughs> it's probably the most disappointing it's be the thing death of, of Game year. Pass. Like, I was, I was quite looking forward to this, especially given Adam Perna's track record. But yeah, I suppose it was only a matter of time until they missed. I do, yeah. and this is probably a different conversation, but I am a little bit worried about sort of marching towards mediocrity on game pass and other similar like accessible platforms and like because nobody had to buy this game i i think the review scores and the reception would be way worse if people had to buy this game but the fact that people are like it's a couple hours i didn't have to pay for it it was fine I think the idea, the um, the problem with paying for it is obviously, look, let's be honest, as reviewers, we get most of our games for free, and I think that does. I think the fact that we, one, don't have to pay for it, and two, the fact that we can't always put aside enough time to really get into a 70-hour game and finish it. Like The fact yeah. that we are professional reviewers does cloud our review scores sometimes. But I think sure. you're right about the reception from other people. Like I didn't review it, so I would have had to have bought it if I was going to to play it and i probably wouldn't have I, as jade said it was on game pass i gave it a go um but i think you you're right certainly about the reception to it a lot more people are picking it up and are probably getting a quite they're not getting the best out of game pass if you just yeah. pick games that are getting kind of dunked on for being bad yeah. <laughs> and playing them for free because you may as well that's not really what game pass was was four yeah, originally. You can play the garbage about paying for it. Like yeah. Baseball Spencer. Yeah, <laughs> but I mean, right now as Game Pass grows, th- this isn't the first time we've seen a mediocre game that nobody would talk about get a lot of attention. Like I think the Ascent is another one that's like, n- if that wasn't on Game Pass, nobody would play that game or ever yeah. think about it. I yeah. suppose. Um, yeah, it's a double-edged sword in a lot of ways. Game Pass because like a lot of games that wouldn't get the exposure or the marketing are now getting it by virtue of simply being on that service. Right. And I think that that is, a, that is naturally going to attract both stinkers that arguably don't deserve as much recognition, like like 12 Minutes, and stuff like Boyfriend Dungeon, which may have served a more niche audience if they hadn't come onto Game Pass in the first place. Yeah, Boyfriend Dungeon is a great point. I, I would take games like 12 Minutes being on 
on Game Pass. And look, some people like it. We should probably point that out. Just yeah, um, we couldn't find anybody willing to defend it on this podcast, but I'm sure people <laughs> out there in the world like it. <laughs> but yeah, like Boyfriend Dungeon is probably going to end up being in my top ten for the year, and I would have played it regardless. Um, but I think a lot of people wouldn't have, and I'm glad people have got to experience that, even if they had to sit through, you know, four hours of the incest game. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it's true. I'm still a huge Game Pass fan. I just, I'm a, I get a little bit, I don't know. Uh, I, it's I'm definitely worried, a danger. I'm worried about the bar getting lowered. I think that's fair. Um, but if, uh, if you've liked 12 minutes, leave us a comment. I want to know. I want I, you don't have to. I'm not, not going to make you defend this game, but I want to know what you got out of it because I got nothing. <laughs> I I didn't enjoy one second of it. Like okay, when it when it started, I thought it was going to be good. That's about, about all I can say. And when it ended, you were like, oh, thank god, the incest <laughs> is over. Eric didn't uh, think the incest was over. He was like, what? Eric tried seven times to have the pro incest ending. <laughs> That's why he's so annoyed with it. <laughs> Modding. All right, great. I'm gonna be the incest guy now. <laughs> Fine. <laughs> All right. Thank you both. We'll see you next time. <laughs> see ya. Okay, we are back to talk about some of the games we've been playing this week. I'm joined by George, Jade, and for the first time, James Trotton. How you doing? I'm good. Uh, So we've had quite a few reviews this week, so I thought we could all get together and talk about what we've been playing. We'll start with you, George. What did you review this week? Uh, So a little game. I don't know if anyone's heard of it. Uh, I I wasn't that interested in it before, but... Oh, it's Psychonauts 2! Yeah, boy! (laughs) That is my (laughs) excitement. It's been so much fun, George, this process, this Psychonauts 2, from, like, the media cycle all the way up to release, like... I, I don't know anyone who loves Psychonauts more than you. <laughs> and it's been so much fun to watch this journey. Like, I'm pretty sure you got this job when uh, Psychonauts was about to come out just so you could review Psychonauts. Is that true? It, it, you know, gonna, it, it isn't, quit. but it almost, <laughs> it, it almost was true. And I was like, oh, this, I could do this here. You know, let's, let's give it a go. Let's try it. Let's pitch. Uh, and luckily, I, you know, got the chance. <laughs> um, and... I, I knew I'd like it. I it, I always knew I was going to like it because it's it's more Psychonauts. But the amount which I liked it is like, it's like catastrophic. It well, that sounds bad. That sounds really bad. It is. <laughs> it, <laughs> it blew my expectations. It's devastating. Out of the water in every regard. It is okay. The perfect sequel, in my opinion. It's not a perfect game. I don't. You know, that's a the perfect sequel. Perfect sequel. Not a perfect game. That that is an important uh, wow. distinction because not many games are perfect. That's you know that's a high that's a high bar, but it is the perfect sequel, I would say. Okay, so my my first question is: since it's the perfect sequel, do I need to play Psychonauts one again or for the first time if before I play two? <laughs> well, I think you don't need to. It has a recap video that kind of tells you everything you need to know, but I think. You should, yeah. because Psychonauts 1 is fantastic, as James will say, because James has just recently played it. Okay. I didn't know it existed before George's massive campaign <laughs> to get everyone to know about it. It's, <laughs> it's an oldie, yeah. How, how old is it now? Oof, 16, 17 years, yeah. 16, yeah. 2005. 
2005. Yeah. So this would have been like early PS2. Is that right? Yeah, well, I think it was like just as I remember Xbox 360 was out because I asked for it for Christmas. Uh-huh. Psychonauts. I mean, and my parents were like, you know, this is like an old console. Like you have like a newer console there. And I was like, no, Psychonauts. Oh, okay. <laughs> so I remember that okay. quite well. So maybe tor- towards the tail end of PS2. Yeah. Yeah. About that. And it's a it's a platformer essentially, yeah. Yeah. 3D so, platformer. Uh, the focuses are it, the focus is more on platforming, but there is combat as well. Um, and in my review and preview, I talked about the fact that which you can go check out on the site as well. I talked about the fact that both of those have been sharpened up to a point where they kind of match the design philosophies and the theming of the game, which was always a strong point of the original. Like. A lot of people would point out that the character story and the world are like the best bit, but the combat and platforming were, you know, they've they've not aged very well. They're a little bit dated. They're a little mm. bit floaty. But finally, they've kind of gone. You know, the platforming feels great. The combat feels great. The worlds and theming are even better. So it's just like all of it combines into just this like magical, magical game. I will say on the original, I think it has aged better than a lot of platformers of that era. It's sort of like a smoother Jack and Daxter, but more psychedelic. Mm. That's mm. A, we were we were arguing about this. What, what was your description for it, James? What, what did you call it? <laughs> Jack and Daxter, if it was Ed, Ed, and Eddie. No, I Everyone have no agreed. idea what that means. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's so accurate though. <laughs> it really is. I hate it. I hate it. Part part of what makes the original uh, age so well is that it has such a distinct art style and personality mm. right yeah i'd agree like like mario 64 is a classic sure and it's still fun to play because we love it but like it looks like a crushed up cereal box <laughs> <laughs> like it's not a pretty game or whatever but like even though psychonauts is sort of the same ish era i know it's a lot newer than 64 it's still a cool game because it has such a distinct style, and I'm sure the sequel's just like that, right? Yeah, they, they've managed to uh, translate it quite well. So I remember back when they were doing like the Fig campaign stuff, they were always showing off like how development was going. Uh, so that was back in 2015. So it's been like a really long time. And one of the first videos they showed was like this art test, and they were like very specific. They're like, "Yeah, we want it to be wonky. Like there are no straight lines in Psychonauts. It is all wonky stuff." Mm. Uh, and that translates really well. Like it's a beautiful game. Uh, it's more and it like the se- the first one is beautiful, but I would still say like it's dated because obviously it has it's 2005. But Psychonauts yeah. two like looks like high quality as well. Like the textures are really good. Like it's it's another level completely completely on another level and it's a lot more story driven than your typical platformer yeah yeah and even more so than the original in this one uh that was one of the areas it really surprised me so when i was getting so excited for it the nearest comparison in my mind is how excited i was for kingdom hearts 3 because that's like a very important game for me as well and with that it was all based on where the story was going that's why i was so excited to see that but for psychonauts it was more just oh i like the world i like the gameplay the story, you know, I have no expectations going in. And again, it, it completely blew me out of the water. Like it was so, it's such a personal tale. Uh, and they really go for like a mystery vibe, which the first one kind of did, but it spoiled the like mystery quite early on. And then for this one, I was like, I was certain I knew what the big reveal was going to be. I was like, I know Psychonauts, don't, don't try and trick me. Don't try and like put me in with everyone else. And then I was like completely wrong. And the big reveal happened and I was like, oh, 
wow, okay, that's actually like a good mystery. Like that actually makes sense if you go back and look at it. Um, so I like, I just can't stop thinking about it. I know I'm talking about it literally right now, but just in the back of my mind, I'm like, man, I want to go play Psychonauts 2 again. The biggest comparison I can think of is how big the gap was between Incredibles and Incredibles 2, but they sort of pick up right where it left off. Yeah, yeah. Mm. I'm surprised they didn't go. Well, I'm surprised I'm not surprised. I kind of would have loved for them to do a time skip to show like an adult Raz, but that was before playing it. I was like, oh, come on, like you know, put it in the future, and now I'm like, no, I think they can really, they, they can make it more interesting by showing the perspective of Raz, who is a 10-year-old, going into the minds of people who are, like, much older and have, like, much more trauma. Like, that's a really interesting, like, angle. Um, I think that's, like, purposeful. So I don't think, I don't, I hope they never go too far in the future. Does it have a Milkman-level iconic... <laughs> mission oh yeah oh yeah like this is something that's always it's not bugged me but maybe i'm just completely wrong but i never liked the milkman mission that much i know everyone else does i know that's blasphemy uh my favorite was always black Velvetopia. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I like the one the one with the bull where everything goes like it's like a watercolor black light painting like that has always been my favorite just because of the visuals um the level itself is kind of annoying but mm. it's still like iconic for me and the sequel has the level that everyone's seen, uh, Brain in a Jar. Uh, that is one of the, that is the best Psychonauts level like that has ever been, I think. Like it perfectly matches like great gameplay, great characters, great themes, and an interesting sort of like mental health perspective. Uh, and it combines all of that into like just, just a stellar level. It's one of the longest ones too. So it was like, it when I played that, I was like, oh, this is why this is one of the first I showed off. Like this makes total sense. So that is the new, that is the new iconic level. And James, as like a new fan to the series, how are you liking the sequel? Uh, I haven't played much of it yet. Um, mm -hmm. I booted it up briefly before we started playing, and it just feels like the first game, but refined. Yes. Which, to be honest, is all you can really ask for, I think. That is, um, that is perfect. Because I do think the first game was it was borderline perfect in terms of platforming, I think. Um, I mean, my favorite level, personally, was the Waterloo level. Uh, I thought it was just such an intriguing play on board games. Um and so far, they've been just as inventive in the sequel from what I've seen, if mm. not more so. Yeah, it gets so much more. Like it, when people talk about it, and I've seen on Twitter, like I've I've seen everyone sort of reacting to the first few levels, and those are really good. But then, like the ones later, I'm just sat here like so excited for like the discord. Well, not discord. That sounds bad. <laughs> but the discussion, the excitement to come out, and people to be like, "Yeah, Psychonauts Two is great." Does it have a good sequel setup? Uh, I think. If they want to, I think if they really want to, and I hope they want to because I want them to, they could. I think they really could. Uh, to say any more would to spoil, but it is. It's much less. It's much more satisfying than the original sort of like cliffhangery. Ooh, maybe we'll come back. Maybe we won't. There's nothing like that. But there is like, okay, we've developed this world. Here are some more like trails you can follow if you want to. Maybe in the future. Maybe we'll see you there. Like, they say a lot, they're like, oh, mm. you know, like, the next mission, stuff like that. Uh, so, I, I don't know, I don't think Double Fine will go back to that yet. Like, they got to make Brutal Legend 2 first. Like, I, I refuse to have Psychonauts 3 until Brutal Legend 2. Oh, yes. <laughs> That'd be magic. Oh, man, we're going to be hearing about Brutal Legend 2 from you for years. <laughs> I'll, I'll be right there with them. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, Double Fine's not exactly known for sequels, right? 
No. This might even be the first one. It is, yeah. It is the first. They've done remasters, yeah. they've done tons of them, but this is the first two they've done. Yeah. And so now that they're under the Microsoft umbrella, you know, I, I, I can only assume Psychonauts 2 is going to be huge because it's like, it's kind of the perfect Game Pass game. It's like a beloved franchise, but it's also pretty niche. And so it's going to have really great word of mouth and everybody can play it for free or, you know, with their Game Pass subscription. So I I have no doubt that this is going to be uh, a, a huge success. Um, so I wonder if uh, Microsoft will want them to do another one or if they'll, you know, just keep doing the double fine thing and doing weird inventive adventure games. I, I I like to think that when they took Double Fine on, it was under the sort of like, okay, you can have us, but we're not gonna, you know, we we'll do what we want to do. I think that's that's the understanding, and I think it will keep being that. Uh, I think I read earlier actually that Tim Schafer said that after Psychonauts two, they want to do something like completely new, um, which is kind of gutting again because I kind of mm. want to <laughs> Brutal Legend two or Psychonauts three or like anything from them as a continuation because they've done a sequel so well i'd love to see them keep doing it but i feel like with them you you can't like you can't pigeonhole them into doing that they like double fine thrives on the fact that they just kind of do what they want and then surprise people like they have with this yeah and they were on psychonauts 2 for so long oh god tell me about <laughs> like, it <laughs> six years or something yeah, yeah. it's approaching six, I, I feel like we've been seeing trailers and hearing about this game forever <laughs> so do i um, okay <laughs> cool well i think i mean they need to put uh the that rhombus vr game on quest i can't believe that's still a playstation exclusive yeah. so fix that anyway <laughs> jade what did you play this week oh a whole bunch of things but my big review this week was what was it last week Oh, recently, anyway, was uh, <laughs> Ghost of Tsushima Director's Cut, which is yes. the PS5 port slash upgrade of the exclusive that came out in 2019, I think. I can't remember. The pandemic twisted my definition of time. But yes, <laughs> I was probably one of the people who enjoyed Ghost of Tsushima more than most, so I was quite mm -hmm. excited to dig back into this. I, I platinumed the original on PS4. Wow. I saw everything. I was one of those people. So I, <laughs> I went back into this. World game. I That's game impressive. It. It's, it's in my job description. So, <laughs> But Director's Cut is essentially it's the same game you bought last year with enhanced loading times. The visuals are they're somewhat the same because the PS4 version already received a patch to allow for 60 frames per second. So this, this ups the resolution and provides a few neat quality of life features like they've implemented haptic feedback and dual sense controls which is some of the best implementation of it i've seen it's it's wonderfully subtle like the controller will vibrate as you're trotting along hills of your horse or as you're climbing cliffs and there's a grappling hook you use when you pull pieces of wood down from certain pieces of terrain and it, it genuinely feels like the controller is pulling you back so you need to implement like a uh, huge oof. amount of force so in terms of that it's really impressive as a port but the the really big thing in this expansion is Iki Island which is essentially another act to the entire game like once you finish the first act you're free to go there whenever you like but it's 
an independent story away from the main campaign. But I I personally recommend returning players playing it after they've beaten the main story because it it arguably complements a lot of the themes and characters from the main narrative in ways that I kind of didn't expect it to. I love the dual sense so much that just the way you described the implementation is enough to make me want to play it's this so game. cool like some of the stuff it does um, it, it's the best because i feel like with a lot of games the dual sense can either be really subtle and intuitive or it can go the other way and be almost like quite quite excessive and intrusive like yeah mm. I think it was Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War. I turned it all off because it it was essentially just distracting during multiplayer, as cool as it was. Did you play Ratchet & Clank? I did. I loved it. Is this... Is the dual sense... How does the dual sense for this compare to that? Oh, God. I felt like it was quite subtle in Ratchet & Clank. Like, maybe... I'm silly, but I feel like I prefer it in this. Because <laughs> it, it, it feels more... Maybe it's because Tsushima's a very artsy-fartsy game. And... Uh-huh. It, it's something that wants to draw you into the world, and it feels like the dual sense in this folds into that philosophy a lot more. Like when you flick the touchpad up for the wind to guide you to your objective, the, the there'll be like a string of vibration going through the controller, or each time you your sword collides with an enemy, it will like almost like make a noise and react in your hand. So I I yeah. thought it felt like more of a showpiece in Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart, where as this it feels like it's it's more cohesive throughout the entire experience. What do you make of the director's cut label? Cause I know that we have it for death stranding and that seems like a very Kojima thing to do. And I, yeah. and that I'm like, okay, whatever Kojima <laughs> do you man. But what, what do you think about games going forward instead of like a game of the year edition or collector's edition or remat or whatever that they have this director's cut? label i feel like director's cut especially with sony exclusives like death stranding and ghost of tsushima sony's trying to be very cinematic and autoristic with its with its blockbusters it's like oh yes these are essentially the hbo of gaming and stuff like that so i think director's cut makes them think that they're like providing like the true vision of their product when in reality it's just like a stupid marketing term because there's nothing in Ghost of Tsushima director's cut that feels like it couldn't have been in the original game if they wanted it to be. It, it feels like a very traditional expansion. I think you're saying that it might actually just straight up be a Sony thing because I remember uh, reading Kojima wasn't on board with the name director's cut. Yeah, um, really? Yeah, I think he was saying that uh, it implies content was cut from Death Stranding against you know right. his vision or like Snyder kind of. All right, my apologies to Kojima. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Sorry, my dude. No, but that, that's exactly that's exactly the thing. A director's cut is a real thing. The studio says, I'm sorry, the movie has to be this long for our runtime reasons, and we know that X number of audiences will see it if it's this long. And then later, for home release, you get the director's cut, which is all the shit that the director wanted to put in the movie, but the studio said no to. Yeah. And that's never going to apply to a video game. They didn't make this whole extra DLC island 
and then Sony said, I'm sorry, the game's too long. You must cut that out. (laughs) And then, no, and then this is the director's true vision. Like, no, it's total bullshit. This is just DLC. They're taunting Bethesda to do it, I saw. I mean, the next Skyrim. Skyrim director's cut. They thought Todd Howard really wanted there to be in Skyrim. But (laughs) the funny thing about Tsushima's New Island is I feel like the story in there is stronger than the base game, partly because it it almost recognizes like the hist- the flaws in the historical framing that if that goes to Tsushima has like mm. it it paints samurai as like a a heroic like all powerful force that helps the good and does nothing else and in reality and I know that Ghost of Tsushima takes a huge amount of historical liberty with Japan as a whole like katanas weren't invented at the in the year where Tsushima's set but they're everywhere like you need to put that aside but the Iki Island expansion the story is essentially you you show up on this island like Jin Sakai is just there for a laugh I suppose and you're immediately captured by this crazy witch lady called the eagle and she poisons you and this poison essentially causes you to relive moments of your past and in this case Iki Island is a place where Jin Sakai's dad passed away during a conquest while he was a teenager and it's something he's very much put in the back of his mind and was rarely explored in the base game but here there are memories scattered throughout the map which are essentially playable pictures into the past which allow Jin Sakai to see what his father was like while taking over this island and in reality he was a pretty bad dude like he was killing innocent people and like overworking his soldiers and stuff like that and a large amount of the campaign is Jin coming to terms with what his father was like and that almost like projecting himself onto his father and wanting to be an ultimate samurai is the wrong path to go down and it it, do, it explores that in ways I kind of didn't expect especially for a game that is very much popcorn cinema hmm. uh, that's interesting I, I have not played the game at all. I'm interested, uh, mostly because I avoid open world stuff. Oh, my, yeah. life's, my life's too short. Um, but to hear like that there's actually a compelling story with some emotional weight, that actually does get me interested in playing it. How long would you say the game and the expansion are? Oh, gosh. Um, the, ex- the, the Icky Island expansion is not a, especially long at all, really. Mm. You could probably get through the story in about five or so hours if you did all of the missions like back to back, which is it's kind of what I did because I was reviewing it and we had like two days. So I was just like, okay, let's get this over with. And th- there's a decent amount of side stuff in the expansion that is, is worth digging into, especially the memories I mentioned earlier, which tie in some narrative framing that is really worth seeking out. And then there's these animal sanctuaries which are essentially like you go there, you play a flute and you pet some cats and those have Jin like narrating experiences with his mother. So there's like a juxtaposition between like bad dad and good mum on Nikki Island. That is like, mm. it, it's really sweet. It's really sweetly written in a way that the base game just wasn't like that. That's relatively dry. I can't quite remember how long the base game is, but it's probably your average open world game. And if you did everything, it would take you over 30 hours. Gotcha. Um, there was some confusion or maybe some controversy about like the upgrade options. I know that mm. you can just buy 
this as like a $60 PS5 title, right? Yes, I think you can buy it. It is confusing. I think if you own the PS4 version, you can only upgrade to the base PS5 version. But you can also upgrade to Director's Cut. And there's like different price points for each of those. It, I personally think it's a bit too expensive, given yeah. what you get. I, f- I feel like they should have done what Final Fantasy, Final Fantasy VII Remake did, which was give you the base game upgrade for free, and then allow you to buy the expansion for fifteen pounds or twenty dollars. That feels like a good middle ground. But also, all of the improvements in the PS5 version are now a part of the game's foundation. So there would have been no way for them to to rip out elements and then put them back in because I imagine they'd need to have two separate apps. So I felt like it was Sony like batting between a rock and a hard place. Like they could have just, they could have just given it away for free, but there probably is too much content here to do that. And if you're still on the PS4 though, can you just play the Ichi Island? I want to say no. Wow. Okay. Don't quote me on that. I could be wrong. Sure. I think Ichi Island. I mean, might you be said it on PS5 a podcast, but yeah, cancelled. <laughs> but I can't. I can't. I genuinely can't remember. The director's cuts on PS4, so maybe. Okay, gotcha. Um, cool. So yes, you recommend then? Yes. Uh, I. If you haven't played Ghost of Tsushima before and you own a PS5, buy the PS5 version. But right. at the same time, if you aren't super interested in the new content and you own the ps4 version on ps5 the upgrades the the visual and performance upgrades are minimal enough that maybe wait for a sale but yeah like it, it is a great game like it was one of my favorites of last year and it was was it the year before i can't remember but oh, it was, it was man fun was that last year oh god was it last year or the year before i, I don't want to know <laughs> i i thought it was this year so i'm just lost <laughs> I think it was 2020. Yeah, I'm going to say it was 2020. George, do you play this? Uh, I've played I played the original Ghost of Tsushima, uh, and I think even Quiet because I it, it's okay. Well, it's not okay. It's a good. It's a it's arguably a great game, but like Sucker Punch, everything else Sucker Punch has done, I've adored like Infamous and Sly Cooper, and then Ghost of Tsushima. I was like, yeah, this would be like even better, and I kind of just think it's like too stuffed with open world stuff uh it is very it's mm, it feels like an open world game from like five years ago yeah if you, if you, get, mm. if you get me yeah like, I get you. very much like spider-man did yeah they're yeah. very or, and horizon like i don't like horizon like, no i'm not a huge horizon guy either like it I, yeah, I, they're I, all like again they're all like eight or eight eight out of ten games so it's like they're not bad it's just when you look at other stuff, like Infamous has a special place in my heart. So just like Cooper, and mm. then Ghost of Tsushima is just like, yeah, really cool game. I'd play a sequel, but I don't, I don't love it. So I probably won't get around to this. Yeah, I, I'd say Tsushima did far more for me than Horizon did, but I think it's just because I think Aloy is really boring. Like, <laughs> no, I, I agree. Maybe that's a bad take, but yeah, it is. It feels like Assassin's Creed One, where it feels like the sequel will abandon a lot of the almost like wrote open world formula stuff that Ghost of Tsushima hangs on and then go for something more ambitious. Yeah, I reckon. This is a bit like a debut experiment. Maybe, yeah. Like, there's going to be a two, because this thing's all gangbusters, so. Right. Um, I played a game. Ooh, what'd you play? Yeah, Yeah, I did. 
I play a game called Aliens Fireteam Elite, which is uh, not a good name. I'll start there. <laughs> yeah. It's not a memorable name, and it invokes uh, Aliens Colonial Marines, which is a tragic game. <laughs> uh, yeah. But but this is this is a game about Colonial Marines uh, hunting down hordes and hordes and hordes of xenomorphs. And if you like aliens uh you will like this game a lot um just purely from a like world building story standpoint aliens fireteam elite is quintessential i would i would almost say like mandatory um aliens content yeah so like i'm the kind of person that uh, like reads the alien comic books and stuff. Cause I want to get like every ounce of that story. And this is part of, I'm not going to say it's like Canon or whatever. I think like it generally, this is a different topic, but I think generally like arguing about Canon is pretty dumb and pointless. Mm. But if you like alien stuff and the characters and like Prometheus and covenant is in this too, like I it's all, it's all tied together the art style is like spot on the the sound design like the sounds of the guns it's like they nailed it they totally nailed it so um but yeah before i even like get into the gameplay and stuff if you're like an aliens fan you gotta play this game it's way better if you play it with friends but i because i had to review it i played the whole thing solo before i get a chance to play with other people and it's totally doable and it's a good time just for that didn't you describe it as what Aliens was to Alien, but with Alien Isolation? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, you know, the first Alien movie is the survival horror movie, right? It's girl versus monster. Whereas Aliens, uh, the James Cameron sequel, is the much more action-oriented one. So uh, I think Alien Isolation is pretty much a masterpiece uh, in terms of like survival horror games. And I'm not going to say that this is a masterpiece, but this is this would be the video game equivalent to uh, James Cameron's Aliens. It is a it's a high octane, like shoot 'em up action thing, and it's uh it's really well done. Uh, because for the most part, because xenomorphs are just like incredible enemies. I mean, think about what these dudes are like. They're big. Uh, bug-like penis monsters <laughs> with with swords on their tails. They can climb on the ceiling. They can spit acid. Their blood burns you. Like, how how deadly are these damn things? Like, they are really scary. And even when you're shooting, like, a thousand of them, they're still scary. You can't see where they're coming from. The levels are super dark. They crawl on the walls. They crawl on the ceilings. They pop out of vents. Like, it's it's a good, scary time. Um, I, and I think like people are going to say like, oh, Alien Isolation so great because it's one monster and it stalks you around and that's what makes it scary. And you can't do that when there's a thousand of them. Like, no, no, no. These things like blend into the walls and jump you and you got to do like quick time events to get them off you. Like they, they do all kinds of really clever jump scares with like vents blasting steam at you when you're running through tight quarters. Oof. They're always keeping you, you know. Uh, on the edge it's like it is a scary time even though it's you know an action shooty shooty thing so one one comparison i've heard um and i don't know how true this is is left for dead would you agree with that at all uh, that's definitely an influence i think that it's a lot closer to something like gears 
uh, than Left 4 Dead. And it, because it's third person, because there's a lot of cover shooting, um, but I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't call this a Gears clone or a Left 4 Dead clone. Uh, it's got a lot going for it that is really unique. It's taking influence from a lot of different things, even stuff like, um, like uh, GTFO. Have you guys played that one? GTFO? I've seen it. I haven't played it. Brief. Yeah. Uh, so it, GTFO is all about um, setting up, uh, holding positions and fending off hordes. And so Aliens has a lot of uh, consumable weapons and items like landmines and turrets and traps. And uh, at s- specific points during every mission, you'll have to fortify a position. And like, it's almost like a tower defense situation where you have to like, you have all these different lanes and you kind of have an idea where they're going to come from. And you try to like set up traps and defenses and stuff to hold them back. So yeah, so it's got elements of that. It's definitely got Left 4 Dead in it because it's these like short bespoke missions and you can play through each one repeatedly. Um, But it, but it also has a, like a pretty robust RPG and class building system. There's five different classes each class has two different weapon categories and you can put you know 10 different guns in each slot those guns have three slots for for um you know barrels and sights and all that kind of stuff and then the classes each have their own unique abilities and those abilities can be modified and upgraded with perks that you earn by leveling up so it's like it's a pretty involved progression system um, that Left 4 Dead definitely doesn't have. So yeah, it, it's got it's got a lot of different influencers. It's definitely not like a clone of anything. Is there anything you didn't like? Um, the missions are like maybe 10, 15% too long. It takes me about a half hour to get through each one. And the problem is if you die, you're going to start the whole thing over. And that can be, that can feel like a pretty huge waste of time. Mm-hmm. You will get some experience, even if you lose, which is okay. Um, I don't think it's balanced very well for single player. The problem is that you get AI, and the AI is, like, capable, and that's fine. But you're only going to get a third of the loot as you work your way through the level. So when you find a chest that has a turret in it, you just get one turret. Whereas your teammate, if you were playing with real people, your teammates will get them too. And having three turrets out is a lot different than having one out. And it's the same with health packs. When you get to a health pack, if you're by yourself, you get one health pack. And because you can heal other people, it's like a it's a way different thing when three people have one health pack versus one person has one health pack. Mm-hmm. So it feels a, a lot more punishing to play solo on top of the fact like the AI is not going to be as good as real people. Um, so I would definitely, definitely recommend that you play with friends if you can. The other thing, which doesn't bother me at all, but it is a live service game. And I know that's like a four-letter word to some people. But they've already laid out... First of all, when you finish the game, it's not really over. Like, the story's not really over. And they immediately start setting up what's going to happen next. And then they've already laid out, like, here's the first four seasons of content. And there's going to be all this new sh- new stuff coming. So, um, yeah, it's, de- it's the kind of game that they want you to keep coming back all year to see what the new stuff is and it's not it, it, it's a budget title i think in us it's 40 instead of 60 which is normal um and so it's the the 12 missions will probably take you maybe six hours to get through if you're decent if you're not like losing a bunch in all of them so yeah so it's not the most like 
content packed game, but it will have a lot more content over time. Um, are you guys going to play it? <laughs> I mean, not on my recommendation, but were you thinking about playing it? I was curious. Yeah. Cause, uh, a lot like you, I'm, I'm very much ever since I was a kid, I've been really immersed in like the alien mythos, like Wayne and Utani and stuff like that. But even one of the things that really piqued my interest that I heard about last week was that it, it folds in elements of like Prometheus and alien covenant. Like yeah. in terms of like the narrative and characters, how does that come about? So the, the storytelling is really cool. Um, first of all, you you get a lot of, let, let me back up. You have like a hub uh, on a ship that's like outside of the areas you're exploring. The game kind of takes place between a, uh, an orbital refinery and on the surface and below the surface of the planet okay. that it that it orbits. So those are sort of the like two main locations of the game. And your your um, ship is uh, is also in orbit. So between every mission, you go back to this hub to like you know upgrade your gear and buy consumables and customize. And while you're there, a lot of the story builds with dialogue between. Um, the other soldiers and the different characters there. Then when you're in missions, um, the story unfolds a lot. Like during these missions, there's a lot happening. It's not a matter of just like get from point A to point B, like objectives change, unexpected things happen. Like there's a lot of really strong storytellings in the storytelling in the missions themselves. And then the other cool thing is that there's uh, hidden Intel in all these missions, just like bits of lore. But instead of like, picking this up and stopping to read it or like listening to an audio log or something, mm. all the lore you pick up unlocks new dialogue back at the hub. So when the mission's over, then you go take whatever you found to the appropriate scientist or military person or whatever. And then they explain the lore to you and what it means, which I think is a pretty, pretty cool way of doing it, but they name drop, you know, they name drop Elizabeth Shaw. They it's all about obviously Waylon Yutani. They talk about, um, uh, the war that I can't remember the name of now, but yeah, like uh, all the, all the alien pieces are there. I think I'm definitely excited for it in terms of like, I was raised on horror films and alien and it just sounds like an alien movie, but interactive. Yeah. You know, there, there's a few different um, enemy types besides the xenomorphs that it's probably not worth spoiling. They're in the trailers, but still I would just mm. play it. But, but even the Xenos themselves, like there's eight different enemy types, which is pretty impressive for just like friggin' aliens. Like, of course you've got the haste, the face huggers, you know, and oh, yeah. you, you've got the full grown Xenos, but there's like all different ones with different abilities and none of them feel like some kind of wacky video game version of Xenos. They all feel like different evolutions of like the movie monsters. So, yeah, I will super well I will done. Say on the um, on the face huggers, has it sort of come full circle with how Half Life's head crabs are inspired by face huggers, and now you've got face huggers in a video game? Does that hammer back to Half Life? So or do they play very differently. It's very different because they are uh, they're like traps. They're <laughs> you see the eggs, and you have to be proactive about blasting the eggs because if you get too close to an egg then a face hugger pops out and traps you in an animation and you have to quick time event out of it which can just kill you if you're mm. in the middle of a battle and you try to run to a corner to give yourself some space and you run right into a group of eggs and now you've got face huggers on you that you're trying to rip off while aliens are attacking <laughs> you 
That sounds sick. That is terrifying. Yeah, it's terrifying. Yeah, it's really cool. I I mean, we laughed the whole way through it. So, yeah, I definitely recommend it. I think maybe not everyone is as sold on it as I am. I think uh, it might. I think it has like a 70 on Metacritic right now. Um, But I all I can say is like, A, if you're an alien fan or B, if you do this kind of co-op shooter thing, like if you're going to play Back for Blood or if you if you like left for dead or gears like there, th- this is a great one. Mm. And the RPG stuff is really good. How would you say is like a movie f- game, like world war Z? How do you say it compares to that? I like world war Z too. This one, it has much better progression. The, the classes I think are more distinct. It's not just like, here's this character and what it can do. It's like, here's your role. Like this is what your job is. Um, one of my favorites is like this engineer type character and they can produce their own turrets and they can also lay down these electricity traps that slow the aliens down. And none of the other classes have like traps or placeables. So that's really like their job. And then their passive abilities and, and their perks and stuff sort of support that. So, and then there's like a healer character and yeah, so everybody's got really distinct and, um, and the really cool thing, uh, George will know what I'm talking about, with the with the progression system. If you've played this game called Kingdom Hearts Yay! 358 over 2 DS, <laughs> that <laughs> that game uses <laughs> so so that game has this grid system where you have all all your abilities are like tetrinos, and you have to slot them in and make them fit. Um, in, in this grid and then that unlocks your abilities. So alien has the same thing. You have a grid that opens up as you level up and you take your, your skills are all different blocks and they have to fit into this grid. And a lot of them have to be connected to each other or connected to certain things. So it's got this, it's got this little like mini puzzle game built into the progression system. Um, and as you level up one character, the, the skills that they earn can be used on other characters, sort of like dead by daylight. So it behooves you to level up multiple characters and collect all these different skills and then combine them onto someone to make like really interesting builds. Um, so that stuff as like a, as like a RPG, like ARPG Diablo, even it even has some like outriders in it too. Um, that stuff I found really cool. I'm completely so. <laughs> yeah it's worth it it's worth a shot i think uh some people are say that it gets kind of dry and like a little repetitive but like so does left for dead right like mm-hmm. you, you oh, just yeah. got to know what you're getting into i i never got bored of left for dead right yeah but i think some people would be like what yeah, do you, do? you just run here and you shoot zombies like <laughs> it, yeah you just gotta you just gotta know what you're signing up for um and i think you'll like it Okay, cool. Uh, Thank you all so much. We're going to talk about the Destiny 2 updates now. Destiny 2, Witch Queen reveal uh, yesterday. Boy, oh man, Uh, we've got a lot to talk about. I'm here with Sean Murray and Charles Berger. Hello, fellas. Hello. Hey, how's it going? These are the Destiny lads. If you've ever read a guide on the gamer, this is who wrote them. Um, 
full probably time. more Charles more than me, but yeah. No, Sean makes some <laughs> good stuff. Yeah. I am a Destiny dabbler, um, but a huge fan, and you're both full time Destiny heads, the the real guardians. So thank you for joining me on the show. Thanks for having hey. us. Um, we need to first of all, we need to run through everything. Uh, that was in that presentation yesterday. I know it's a lot. Uh, yep, that is. Let, let's just like let's get it all out there, and then we can go through the exciting stuff. Does that sound good? Okay. Yeah. Okay, Charles, do you have the the list? Uh, not right now. No. Okay, uh, I, I've I got it. Find it. Okay. No problem. I've got it. I'll go through it here. Okay. Um. So first of all, uh, Witch Queen was already announced, but we got a cinematic. Um, it gave us our first actual look at Savathun, who is the villain of uh, the Witch Queen and the um, new season, which started yesterday, which we'll get into. They also announced that the expansion after Lightfall, which is the expansion after Witch Queen, will be called The Final Shape, and it will be the end of the Light and Dark Saga, but not the end of Destiny 2. They announced that the uh, Light subclasses will all be getting a rework, uh, next year during Witch Queen, starting with Void first. Uh, boy, what else? Uh, there's going to be weapon crafting uh, coming during Witch Queen, and they showed us a uh, first-person melee weapon uh, that can do physical attacks and also fire projectiles that you'll be able to craft parts of. Uh, Trials is getting a rework. I'm not sure if that's Witch Queen or if that's this season i think uh, it's this season yeah they just posted something about that actually okay okay um and then we have also the uh 30th anniversary event um to celebrate bungie's 30th anniversary that's going to start in december and there's going to be a ton of uh cosmetic stuff stuff from halo um a new exotic and that's sold separately from the current season, it's going to function as sort of like a mini season uh, between now and Witch Queen, since we have a six-month run. Yeah, but can uh, you put a price on Gallahorn? Well, quick thing <laughs> yes. about that: Gallahorn. <laughs> Apparently, Bungie has. Like, <laughs> I I dug through that part of the stream again. I don't know if there's going to be any Halo content. I feel like they would have mentioned something. They mentioned Marathon and Myth a lot. Like those oh, are the only IPs I heard. So I'm okay. not sure if Halo's going to be in there. Okay, so maybe no Halo content. I wrote that down wrong. Uh, I don't care. I just yeah, want but, Oni to be in there somewhere. Yeah, I think I said Halo's in there originally. It's my bad. So but, yeah, No problem. Yeah. And then uh, we're going to have a new raid rotation so that even older raids have uh, have current content or current rewards, I should say, to chase after. We're going to get another Destiny 1 remake raid. They didn't say which one it was. Uh, and then there's going to be a new dungeon or raid every three months starting in December. That sounds really ambitious, and I can't yeah. wait for Bungie to say <laughs> Yeah, it. we can't yeah. do that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I think that's the broad strokes, unless there's something I left out. Ha, huh, um, no, but like, there's just with so much, you probably left out something. I'm sure yeah, grab it there was just so much. Necessary. Yeah. So, okay, so let's start with what they showed first, the, the Witch Queen trailer. Um, we got a look at our new zone. They didn't name it, but it is very swampy. I think they we... called it Sabathun's Throne World, actually. Yeah, I think if you look at the DLC description on Steam or any, like, 
platform like that. It says visit Savathun's throne world to see what's okay. going on. Yeah, I mean, they so might not... rename it before the new expansion comes they, out, but they meh. could. Yeah, yeah, that's definitely not going to be in our solar system. I don't think. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> Probably <yeah>. not. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know any place that looks like that. So, yeah. um, but I love a swamp for Destiny. Um, EDZ is probably still my favorite zone. Um, and even though I love the really out there and like the weird geometry and, and the, the crazy colors of different places, I, I do like the idea of a more grounded place similar to the EDZ, but like more swampy and overgrown. That sounds really cool to me. Yeah, but I think because it is a throne world, I think we're going to have to also get used to the thought that it's going to have like a lot of crazy stuff happening all the time sure yeah. because like it's probably going to start out as swamp and then it progresses to i don't know urban setting and then we get a little bit more castle like as we approach savathun's castle in the sky or whatever the heck that is yeah uh it's probably going to be wild and what bungie loves to do with most of destiny 2 zones is to try to make them as different as possible so right. we're probably not going to see anything that we've seen before in any other zone there's this moment in the trailer um where you see some like guardians in the jungle and it starts to like twist almost as if you're like on mushrooms or something yeah it, like the yeah. jungle starts to like stretch out it's gonna and, be wild man yeah <laughs> and it made it made me think of like the snowstorms on europa how we have like these like environmental timed moments or whatever and i would mm -hmm. love to see just you're in a patrol zone and and like the walls start melting or something. Yeah, you you just know, like start having an acid flashback. <laughs> yeah, right just now. an acid trip in the middle of a patrol zone. That I seems mean, so cool. Like the Dreaming City had the uh, weekly curse, right? Maybe they could have weather systems tied to yeah. um, the new location that changes weekly or something. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. that would be sick. And then uh, obviously crafting sounds like a great idea. Oh, yeah. I, I love the way they're going about it, too. They said on the stream it's not focused on resources and grinding for mats to make something. It's a lot more focused on killing things and using the item itself to upgrade it. Um, that's a great way to feed into Destiny's core gameplay loop and get you to just play the game with the stuff you're making. Yeah, and it seems like kind of an evolution of the Wrathborn hunts from yeah. the Season of the Hunt, too, right? Yeah, that's a good way to put that. Yeah, and also like throwing in a bit of everything that's come before. You got a little bit of the, uh, what are they called? The black armory things. The forge. Oh, the forges. The forges. Yeah. And yeah. you also have some menagerie in there as well because you get to probably at least, we don't know yet, but more target. At least it seemed like in the trailer you were going to be able to target specific weapons that you want to make. So uh, I'm also looking forward to that as well, just as a way of kind of like cutting through some of the grind and yeah. just getting you like uh, focused on a goal of, hey, I really love this kind of gun. I'd love to be able to just grab it and go, right? Mm -hmm. Yep. I, I, uh, I have high hopes for the crafting system uh, and the idea of first person melee weapons. It's not something I expected, but what they showed made it look kind of cool. Yeah, I'm okay with, like, stabbing a dude in first person. I mean, Skyrim did it. Why can't Destiny? Sure, yeah. And they, they talked about, like, combos game. you can pull off and stuff. Yeah. So mm -hmm. that's uh, really cool. When will Monte Carlo get its first person stab motion? Ooh, I mean, it's yeah. got a blade on it. Crimson? Crimson has a sword True. thing on the front. Why can't I stab with it? We better, right. we better get bayonet attacks, dude. That needs right. to happen. 
Isn't there a shotgun that has like a blade hilt too? I think it's mostly designed to look like those like door openers that you get on shotguns to like oh, shove right. them in a, a yeah, lock yeah. and blow it okay. out. Yeah. But yeah, absolutely. Give me a bayonet on a shotgun. Who cares? It's destiny. We can do what we want. Yeah. <laughs> um, the PVPers are going to be super psyched that we now have battle eye cheap protection that's in the game now. And the Trials we rework comes with a solo queue for Trials. That's huge, I think. Yeah. yeah. Like... Does that interest either of you? For sure for me, yeah. Um, I'm not an avid PvPer, but I've jumped into competitive Crucible and tried to get to 5,500. I've only done it once so far. But um, the Freelance playlist was a big reason I was able to do that in the first place. Getting a group together and fighting against three stacks is an absolute nightmare in any yeah. PvP mode. Being able to do a freelance queue and trials, even if you don't go flawless, you should be able to get three, five, maybe even seven win rewards. That's more than enough incentive to like fill up that population in that playlist. Yeah, and I just have a lot of difficulty convincing my friends to do competitive PvP with me. So yep, solo me queue, mm -hmm. that's huge. Now yep. I can bring down two random people as opposed to my <laughs> friends. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, there's there's a, a certain type of person that wants to play competitive PvP, and if you don't have friends like that, then Trials was just inaccessible to you. I mean, we could all go on the LFG boards and figure it out, but I think like a solo queue is like, at least for me, it's going to get me into Trials in a way I've never had before. I think it's going to get a lot of people into Trials, and especially like the uh, Battle Eye and all the new anti-cheat stuff that they're doing. That's going yeah. to bring back people, so I think this this might finally be the thing that revitalizes Trials to the point where it's good. And that's yeah. a great thing, too. Like Pinnacle PvE content's been in a good spot. It's going to continue to be in a good spot. We're getting dungeons and raids every three months. That's awesome, but PvP players, you know, Trials hasn't been in the best spot as of late, especially with the plague of cheaters which battle eye is going to help with that so uh i think the game is going to be in the best spot it's ever been like genuinely i'm really excited for the future of destiny yeah and and then uh so we've got a new destiny one raid coming what, what do you guys think that's going to be um i mean king's fall seems like a no-brainer since it's all like hive themed and you know taking down sabathun the queen of deceit or whatever but I could also see them doing Wrath of the Machines since the new raid might be very mechanically complex and King's Fall's kind of the same boat. Wrath's just a very go in there, blast everything and get loot sort of raid. So I don't know. It's it's up in the air for me on what they're going to remaster. And I didn't play Destiny 1, so I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I got to defer to Charles on this one. Oh, it could, could be Crota's end too, but they'd have to rework that raid a lot. If you could make that a dungeon right now, you could three-man it like easily. It's really easy. What was the Taken King raid? Uh, King's Fall, you fought Oryx. It was very uh, mechanic-heavy, kind of like Last Wish. Okay. I mean, that would be narratively and like thematically would fit with, with Witch Queen, so that seems mm -hmm. like a possibility. But it, I'm sure they're just going to pick whatever the most like beloved raid is, right? Yeah, I mean, I think King's Fall and Wrath both have their own different fan bases, so it'll be interesting. Um, it just depends on what kind of niche the new raid is going to fill in the Witch Queen. I think with Savathun being the antagonist of this expansion, it's probably going to be really complicated. So it can go both ways. It could double down on it or just have another fun raid like Wrath and just go in there and kill hundreds of Fallen. With them announcing a new dungeon raid every three months, uh, I mean, in a way, it makes sense because we've seen how raid participation has like skyrocketed. Um, 
you know, starting with Deep Stone Crypt, though I, I remember being blown away by the number of people that were finishing Deep Stone Crypt in that first week compared to previous raids. And um, so it's it's pretty exciting that we're going to get a lot more raids. I hope that participation keeps up. Mm-hmm. It'll be interesting to see. I think with the new LFG stuff that's going to be kind of built into the game, I think we'll see stuff like raids. That participation will just go up from here. I think a big reason Deepstone had so many players was there was a long period of time you could prepare for the raid, and because a contest modifier is a even playing field for everybody, and yeah. as long as the Witch Queen raid has a similar kind of prep time, it was like ten days or something, wasn't it? Um, it it should be it, it should get a lot of participation at the very least. Um, I I was surprised about the thirtieth anniversary and that it's going to be a separate paid event. What do you guys think about that? Well, they had to do something because a yeah. six-month season sounds. Ju- Gee, that's just really long, right? That's just real long. And no major expansion in November or December, mind you. So Bungie's got to get that cash injection somehow. Yeah, <laughs> true. Um, yeah. at the same time, it's like it's certainly not going to have the same amount of content as an actual season, and they're charging like more than season price for yeah. what you get. So it's a it's a weird value proposition that it's really hard to say one way or the other without knowing exactly what's going to be in it. From what we've seen, I think it's going to be some cosmetics, you get the dungeon access, and you get a Galahorn. I don't know if it just comes after you give them your credit card or if you have to actually go into the dungeon for it. That's but, probably a dungeon reward, but yeah. Yeah, so... They're also bundling I mean, I'm gonna it do with it. Witch Queen. Yeah, we're all going to do it. <laughs> <laughs> but they, they they are selling it in a bundle which with Witch Queen, so I mean that's probably just going to boost pre-orders for the next expansion. That's a good point. Yeah, yeah. And uh, as I said, I'm just going to do it. I'm just not. Yeah. I'm on the fence as to whether I should be outraged or not. Sure. It's it's has not yet ratcheted to the point where it's sort of like the transmog thing where they capped everything. But I I'm waiting for more details. I mean, there's a case to be made that it is kind of scummy that Bungie are locking the most iconic, exotic, and destiny history Galahorn <laughs> behind a $25 dungeon. I know it's That's got a kind of cosmetics in it, but like, come on. Yeah, but how else? <laughs> how else do you bring Galahorn back? You know, like that's that seems like the fanfare it deserves. Well, with how many cosmetics are tied to that $25 anniversary pack? You know, people that just want to get in, do the dungeon, and get Galahorn because, I mean, like, that's Destiny in a nutshell, that rocket launcher. Um, maybe there could be a way that you could just get the dungeon for 10 or 15 bucks, and then, you know, the $25 yeah. version gives you all the cosmetics with it or something. I don't know. It's just, it's a weird value proposition. It's almost three times the price of a season. Seasons are right. already really underpriced, but, like, that's a whole other conversation. But um, I'm sure people yeah. aren't happy about it. Yeah, for sure. But they're all gonna buy it. Yeah, I know that... I did, so I guess <laughs> yeah, Bungie won. Did too. I bought the collector's <laughs> edition. I bought the whole thing with that really cool hive ghost. That thing does look cool, yeah. I don't know how I feel about having a hive ghost. I feel like that's a betrayal. Hive, uh, <laughs> hive guardians is a weird thing too, huh? The the hive are gonna have. Yeah, I guess we didn't now. talk about that. Yeah, so they showed they actually showed like warlocks and hunters and titans but hive that's that's pretty crazy i never expected to see that 
Yeah, but it's sort of, it's almost like the rumors from, like, years ago of, like, before Beyond Light, they were like, oh, we're gonna have darkness subclasses, and we're gonna have, like, people fighting each other, it's gonna be great, the darkness versus light, but now it's suddenly, nope, it's actually the Hive just became Guardians. Yeah. So. <laughs> it's like, it feels like finding out that your dad had, like, another family or something. Oh, I guess that's appropriate for Savathun. <laughs> I just can't wait to get chaos reached by a wizard. Don't worry. Oh, it's going to be around a corner. Oh my too, god, are and... they going to super us? I didn't even think of that. We saw Damn. one of the hunter like acolytes or whatever. Uh, he definitely threw a, br a blade barrage and it definitely oh, no. did the jaguar sound. Yeah, he did like, so... a, he did, like a gambler's dodge tumble and it threw blade barrage projectiles at you. Like, oh. Oh, it's gonna no. be so crazy. Uh, okay, let let's get into uh, the new season because that also started yesterday. Yes, it did. Uh, Sean, what's it called? What, what's it about? Uh, season of the Lost, and it is about Marasov making her triumphant return from who knows where, and asking you to do her dirty work. Yeah, but also to kind of help kill Savathun, maybe? Question mark. Yeah. So. Uh, the the intro mission throws a lot at you. It does. Uh, there's a big reveal that we were all kind of expecting. Um, Osiris is not himself, right? He's been controlled by Savathun. And I, according to Savathun, for as long as we've known him. Since no, no, Han, I for think. as long as Crow has known him. For as long as Crow, so, okay. Since the so this whole of year. Season of the hunt. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And if you read some of the lore entries in some of the armor, it kind of goes into what Osiris has been dealing with as being a meat puppet for Savathun. Yeah. But, um, yeah. It's going to definitely be a leap from we're dealing with Savathun's business here, and somehow, like, the plan right now for Mara is, at least what she's told us as part of the opening sequence, is we have to kill Savathun after removing her worm. But then she's still around in Witch Queen. Like, that's. We know yeah, that because so obviously of the that's not so going to go. How do we get from there to here? And the hive have light powers now, so it it makes you wonder how she's going to come back. Yeah, I think we're going to spend a whole season helping Savathun get stronger so that we can fight her again next year. <laughs> I think this this is all part of her plan. That's my theory. Like right. she wanted to be trapped. She wants us to kill the worm thing and to and to free her or whatever. Yeah, I think that that Savathun even says that herself in that intro mission. She wants you to get rid of her worm, and in turn, she'll release Osiris. It's it's Riven in the Dreaming City curse all over again. Uh. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so tell me about the new activity. Uh, I've only done it like twice mm -hmm. so far. It is not. Uh, I mean, there is still grab balls, put them into holes, uh -huh. but you don't do them quite as much as like a gambit match <laughs> right um, and there's some mechanic it seems like where when somebody carries a ball if teammates are close by you get to move faster is that yeah, right the explanation in the actual activity is the balls are heavy so you need <laughs> help moving them and if you don't have anyone around you you will eventually drop the ball and it will roll downhill because right. you are actually walking up a hill right and um then someone else has to pick it up and it's the same problem uh I that's have kind found... of an interesting mechanic yeah uh, i have found 
boots of the assembler and just having your little like healy things go around and healing everyone is a huge boon for the activity to I keep love everyone right. alive while they're doing their like sisyphean March. <laughs> March up the hill. Yeah. Bottom tree night stalkers clutch for that too. You can make the battery carriers invisible while they're climbing up the hill and then oh, no one shoots them. Oh, nice. It's always good when we get reasons to use new gear, you know, like things that help us with like movement speed. You would never really think about that. Mm-hmm. Um, unless, I don't know. I think there's a bunch running. of stompies running hunters that would disagree with you there. <laughs> true, true. <laughs> but, 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 but for quality of life, right? Not for oh, puzzle yeah. solving. Right. Um, uh, so, yeah, the activity seems cool, but we'll have to see how it, it deviates over the coming weeks, you know? I expect it to be roughly the same as what last season's overrides were. Like, this is just the place you go to get the resource that you need to start building up the new artifact thing that I already have uh, forgotten. Wayward Compass. Compass. Yeah, Wayward yeah Compass, that's it. Yeah. Uh, but you also need that same resource to focus your engrams, the umbral engrams, because that's still right. around. So it's going to be kind of like your one-stop shop for doing a lot of the seasonal content. And then there will be some other new mission that will come later that we get to see what that's, which will actually more tell the story of the season, I think. Right. So sort of this season's expunge. Yeah. 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 It seems like it's, you're right. It's going to follow the same trajectory as last season, but I think that's probably a good thing because they've really found a rhythm with the the seasonal content. Absolutely. Yeah. Season of the Splicer was definitely one of the better ones. Uh, I only had one complaint, and that's that I just never managed to find a good ignition code. Mm. I must have rolled 100 of the damn things. Well, these Dang. seasons don't go away like immediately, so you can still farm for an ignition True, ignition you still have time. Right True, yeah. and if you noticed in the Umbral Recaster, you can actually now focus your Umbral Engrams to get two weapons from previous season. Oh, in a single oh really? That's cool. So yeah, this this six month season is going to be here for everybody to go back, and even if you don't want to do the previous seasonal content, you can still get the weapons, and it's probably a little bit easier because you're getting two at a time. Right, and we don't have to worry about that stuff sunsetting. Exactly. Yep. So. I I do wonder though if they're gonna revisit that idea of sunsetting in the future though, because I remember when Joe Blackburn was talking about sunsetting, sunsetting, he mentioned. We need to find a way to evolve the meta over time. We're going to visit this topic again later, you know? Yeah, it is sort of looming. You never know yeah. when they're going to decide we need a sunset again. Because even though it, it came and then went away, it did its job. It took mm-hmm. a shitload of stuff out of the pool. It took almost three years of weapons out of the game. That was ridiculous. Yeah, so who knows the next time they're going to decide we, we got to purge. Yeah, but at the same time, like, the problematic weapons that it removed, like your recluse, your mountaintop, those things still got their own separate nerfs that right. would have yeah. killed them without sunsetting. That mountaintop so I, nerf I'm was still extreme, on, yeah. Yeah. So I, I'm still on the we-will-avoid-sunsetting team in favor of just targeted nerfs that change the meta and keep, you know, the power creep to a dull roar. Yeah. And I'm also hoping that things like the class rework are going to feed back into weapon balance in some way. And, and maybe there will be other ways like, um, you know, champions really change the way that we use a lot of guns and which guns are meta. 
I think so, Hive Light Guardians might do that too with Witch Queen. I imagine there's going to be a whole new meta set up for chunking a knight down as fast as you can to you know close the gap, crush its ghost, and you know kind of yeah. keep that gameplay rhythm going. Oh man, what if they do like Guardian Champion Hive? Oh, don't, oh, God. don't even. I can't know. believe you just said that out loud. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> um, obviously, Bungie, PvP please, is... don't do it. <laughs> yeah, PvP is always going to be like the sort of static. Um, you know that doesn't really evolve over time, which is the biggest problem with with the growing weapon pool. But yeah, ho- hopefully they don't have to purge again to to fix those problems. And like Sean said, we can just balance around it. But I hope so. We'll see. Uh, does that pretty much cover it? Uh, oh, yeah. I mean, they nerfed Xenophage into the ground for no reason, so I, I just wanted to throw sad. that out there. Yeah. Yeah. Let's just pour one. That out. happens. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think that's the gist of the main stuff. The only thing I'd like to add is the light subclasses. We, we briefly talked about it earlier, but they are getting an overhaul with Witch Queen. They're going to be converted to use the Aspects and Fragment system, just like Stasis. Uh, Void is the first one to get that rework, coming in Witch Queen. Yeah. Uh, if you watch the footage in the Witch Queen trailer, you can see a hunter shatter diving as a Night Stalker, and it blinds nearby oh. targets, and it makes them invisible. Like, I'm really okay. worried about the state of PvP after that comes yeah. out, but we'll see. Um, yeah, that stuff's exciting. I think we were maybe expecting a new Darkness subclass, and they didn't say anything about that. Uh, but it seems like instead we're going to get those light reworks, um, which is much needed, especially and as a weapon hunter. crafting too. I think that's worth the trade off. Yeah, 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 for sure, for sure. Um, I'm sure there's still a lot we don't know about Witch Queen, but um, we'll find out on those twabs. Or do we see T Wab? We say twab. I say twab. I say twab. Good. Well, we did this whole <laughs> podcast just so we could settle if it's twab or not. It's definitely twab. It was worth doing. Yeah. Don't at me. <laughs> All right, we'll join back up again next time that there's some big Destiny news. Thanks, guys. That's going to be our show for this week. Thank you all so much for listening. Uh, If you've made it this far, I would really appreciate it if you could take the opportunity to leave us a review, either on Apple Podcasts or whatever app you're using. And hit me up on Twitter, at EpicSweitzer. Let me know what you think about the show, and I'd love to hear from you. Uh, We'll see you next week. 